God damn it, Andrew. I knew he was attending a late screening. But he's got to be on time. We can't keep doing this with guests coming. Okay, hold on. I'll do what I normally do. I will hit the Zoom invite. Invite Andrew to the podcast. Okay. All right, inviting Andrew. What? Andrew? 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 Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IB's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your web-slinging host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew. How are you, Andrew? Hello, Darren. I'm fine. Wait a minute. You're not Andrew. I'm Andrew from another, <laughs> I'm Andrew from another universe. You're Andy Merowish. Wow. Um, uh, Andy, Andy, it's amazing to have you back. And I want to apologize. The crowd doesn't normally do that. I don't even normally have a crowd in here while I'm recording. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, did you see No Way Home? I sure did, Darren. All right. Well, we can't talk about it without spoilers. I'm about to host a podcast, but I'm going to shunt you off into another universe where we co-host a podcast together and we'll discuss all you want. No, don't send okay, me back there. Me, don't send me back though. Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast of the Netflix Top 250 Movies of all time. And sometimes looking at hot new releases and dropping episodes in the middle of the week because we're just that cool. I'm your host, Darren and joining me as always is my co-host, the spectacular Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? Hello and hi, uh, the daring Darren. Um, how, 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 are you, how are you doing today? Have, have, did you, have you just enjoyed a marvellous Marvel movie? Um, oh. I'm glad to be getting back into the swing of things. I'm sure we've got a tangle of emotions to discuss here. Um, I'm really looking forward to people being able to listen to this on the web. Um, all right, and joining us for this discussion, we also have the amazing Breed Martin. How are you, Breed? Hi, Darian. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> Good to see hey, you. Hey, Breed. Um, and we also have the friendly neighborhood Luke Dunn. How are you, Luke? Hi, Darren. Uh, I, I feel like I've had all my arms and legs pulled off by <laughs> A cruel child. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we have the wall call, the web crawling menace, Mr. Graham Day. I'm sorry, I ran out of cool titles. Yeah, you could have gone with the ultimate Graham Day. You know, I prefer that one. But hello. Oh. Okay, the ultimate Graham Yay. Day. Get I right like up there run. in that microphone. I did like that run. Uh, or, or the superior <laughs> Graham Day. Mm. He was a nice Spider-Man. Solid. Solid. Uh, so, so the superior Graham. I felt that might make the other guests uncomfortable. That's fine. We'll go with the superior Graham. Day. He made he made his, he made other Spider Men uncomfortable. Oh, all right. So we are gathered here today to talk about the eighth best movie of all time, according to IMDb. You are joking. Eight. Eighth. Yes. Oh, On the Internet eight. Movie Database. <laughs> this is a movie that is better than Schindler's List. It's better. Than all of the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh. It's better than all of the Star Wars movies. This is the eighth. It's better than The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. It's better than Jaws. It is Spider-Man No Way Home. So, 
we're going to try and keep the spo- free spoiler zone relatively brief because it's the movie that has a lot of spoilers and a lot of the press around it has been concerned with preserving and protecting spoilers. I want to talk about that when we get into the spoiler zone. So just preliminary thoughts to kick us off. So, Graham, I nope. guess... Oh, no. no spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just assume listeners haven't seen it yet. Assume listeners might be going in, which is a very high assumption given it had an opening box office of $500 million, the second highest opening weekend in the history of the American box office in the middle of a global pandemic. It seems like you could reasonably assume everybody's seen it, but let's not make that leap so far. Graham... Your initial thoughts on Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did it better. A lot better. That is my initial yeah. thoughts. Yes, that is why we reassembled this dream team. Listeners, acute listeners, long-term fans of the podcast may remember this is the lineup that discussed Into the Spider-Verse. When, when we say that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did it better... What we could be saying is that it's just a movie about Spider-Man that was that better than better this than movie this. that we just watched. We're not revealing no. anything. Yeah. No. <laughs> Don't come after no, us. No, I mean, like, I mean, like, all the trailers say the multiverse and into the Spider-Verse technically... Let's just okay, say Graham, I'm going to have to kill your mic. They were two, let's just say they were both movies. Yes. They're, they both, they both, they're both movies. They both star Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse was a better movie starring Spider-Man. Um, they both had trailers. Graham yeah, meant, I mean, look, careful. Um, <laughs> careful. Oh, sorry. Graham meant that episode of the 250 is going to be better than this one. <laughs> oh, uh, all right. And so Luke, since you spoke up, what about yourself? What's your initial, like, preliminary response to Spider-Man No Way Home? It gave me a really bad headache. Um, like, figuratively and literally. Uh, I, I, I ain't getting any younger, Darren. Mm. Listeners can't be. tell, but Luke is in bed. <laughs> oh, still, He's yeah. Still after, recovering. After He's still recovering. Seen it, yeah, I'm still recovering. I took several tests, and, but you know, oh. each one said you've you've seen Spider-Man, whatever it's called. <laughs> but the the problem was we couldn't tell if any of them were positive. Uh, Breed, what about yourself? What's your initial reaction to Spider-Man: No Way Home? I am trying to figure out how to um, give any kind of reaction with that doesn't include a spoiler. <laughs> Um, everything I'm thinking of is like, no, that's a spoiler. That's a spoiler. That's also a spoiler. Um, that could be a reaction. Yeah. Um, so many spoilers. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think I can safely say anything here. It's just, it's all spoilers. All right. And, and Andrew, you are literally fresh from the cinema. You were worried that you were going to miss this recording. Uh, I had, was considering opening a portal and summoning another Andy or Andrew to, to come on this podcast. What's your hot from the cinema take on Spider-Man No Way Home? I watch movie in cinema. Um, it watched. <laughs> I watched. You're doing a great job, by the way. Yeah. Movie? Movie? Yeah. All right. He is. Movie? All right, so to kick us Shut off then, up. let's do the three questions and jump right on in there. Okay, so, uh, Reed, to get us started, yeah. do you think Spider-Man No Way Home is one of the top 250 movies ever made? And feel free to answer the question about whether or not you think it is the eighth best movie mm. ever made. Eighth is <laughs> genuinely disturbing. Um, no, I don't really think it should be in the 250. All right. Um, Graham, Mm -hmm. feel free to lean forward so the mic can catch you as well. That's recording. Um, (laughs) Uh, No, no, no emotion counts. Good God, no. No, no, (laughs) nope, 
No. That's a very strong reaction to being asked to lean but forward. Especially no on the eighth. Especially on the eighth. Better than all three Lord of the Rings. Go screw yourself to oh. to whoever saw that and thought, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Better better than the trilogy okay, that redefined oh. how how you can how you can like make fantasy. Mm. Okay, okay. I sense emotions are gonna run strong on this one. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Luke. It's not saying it's better than the trilogy. It's <laughs> saying it's better than each of the movies in the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, me. Andrew. You're not helping. You're not de-escalating. If that, if that helps. You're not de-escalating, uh, Andrew. Um, and and Luke, do you think that this belongs? Maybe with- if they got the three movies together, ah! they could defeat this movie. <laughs> and in the darkness, bind it. Um, <laughs> But, Luke, do you think that this movie belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies? Greatest movies. Darren's brain work good. Um, I watched it this morning. I may also have Luke Spider-Man brain. But, Luke, do you think this movie belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Well, no, but, I mean, I, the thing is, Darren, with this list, I mean, we've been over this and over this. You like no, it? No, no, <laughs> nobody, it is objective. Nobody that would have voted for, no, nobody that would have given this movie a rating after seeing it, or very few, I would imagine, would say that it is the eighth greatest movie of all time. It's just that enough of them said that they enjoyed it, that it has pushed it up to number eight on the list currently. I, I imagine it will drop off quite fire if not off the list entirely. I'm waiting for just a red wine just to come in off screen. So it's it's all reason. it's all a cod, Darren. It's just it's just content. You're just looking to generate content. Oh there it is. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's a word I a whiskey. They're looking ah. to generate content. It's all just grist for the mill, Darren. So would you say that you're feeling a bit uncontent, Luke? Is there a pun in that one? I must yeah, there is. He said you said content. So oh right, yes. I was I was I was scanning for Darren's never bro. listening to what you're saying per se. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just going to think like at the end of this, I'm going to make a pun of some sort. <laughs> I'm just passively scanning for hot words. Um, I just went through. I was like web legs wet. No, I couldn't figure it out. Um, but Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made? Um, no, but it's it kind of like what we've, um, yes. come to expect. Um, we've been doing this, this for too long. <laughs> 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 uh, oh my God, if you, still <laughs> if you, if, uh, I, I guess like, um, if you don't have, um, expectations, you can't be disappointed. Oh, I love the um, callback. What callback? Also, <laughs> that's also just a, spo- a thing also people a spoiler. Say. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, this is this is this is one of those. Like, it's interesting that we've had. I don't like to be to be to be clear. I I don't feel the same way everybody else does. I, I just went to see a movie and I love uh, I love the idea that Andrew's the happy one on this podcast. Andrew's the yeah, one. I, like I do do it was it was probably at. Um, I mean, I can talk about how I saw it. Mm. It was, it was, it was in a cinema because there isn't a way to not watch it in the cinema, unfortunately. Did you check? And I was kind of like, I, I rang a nurse and I asked, <laughs> um, "Can I, can I watch this on, on? Do you have any, uh, do you have any like links?" Um, <laughs> and um, 
No, um, watch me. I did check. I don't yeah. think it'll be till like April or something. No, that it's God, going no. to be on streaming services. You can pre-order it on YouTube, but that doesn't uh, really help for this wait, conversation. You, no, it's not really. Out. Yes. Imagine yeah. giving that to a child for Christmas. Here's the a little pre-order. box, and inside, I know you a... wanted to go see No Way Home, and guess what? We've pre-ordered it on YouTube. <laughs> There's a little piece of paper inside a box that no, you can it's, redeem. It's like Google's movies. Like, it's the same thing. Um, yeah. Um, so, no, no, no. I mean, I, mean, um, I don't think it'll um, last the test of time to be on the top 250 movies of all time. But that's no, like, great kind of criticism of a movie. We've gone over this on the podcast before. It can be, it can not be in the top 250 movies of all time and, and still be like fine, I guess. <laughs> Perfectly yeah. adequate. Um, and for myself, this is this is interesting because I kind of find it interesting that Andrew is the coolest of the five of us. He's, when I say coolest, I mean like in the sense of like, be cool, the musical number from Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. <laughs> He's clicking his fingers, kind of walking down the street menacingly. But Andrew's... Well, we used to do that in school, Darren. Yeah, it was so hip. <laughs> We used to dance we, fight we, as well. I can see. We I did. Can see a young Andrew doing that. We no. We would hand. walk down the corridors in the school, like clicking our fingers. <laughs> oh, that image is just. Darren, when you edit this later, you're going to find out that your reference to West Side Story was removed in order to fit in more references to Spider Man. The Spider Man. Um. All right. But uh, yeah. So for myself, um, the answer like. To this is is no, and I find myself interested again. The fact that Andrew is the one who is like most calm about this of the five of us, because uh, I this is mm-hmm. a thing we've this is a, no this is a thing we've been coming to on on discussions of new entries for about a year and a half since Hamilton, which is the question of like what even is a movie anymore, um, where it seems increasingly that it's like okay there are blurred boundaries between a streaming release and a movie a live theatrical film and a movie uh, an extension of a television show and a movie graham was on talking about like demon slayer for example and there was a question about like whether or not that was really a movie a self-contained movie or just is an extension it a, is it a special edition of a movie oh that's is that one of the ones you mentioned we, we did we did the snyder cut we did the snyder cut as that's well which movie. is like a mini which is like a mini series released on streaming but it's as a as a movie so for rights purposes and this is one of those where it feels very much like it's a brand content delivery mechanism um, more than a movie of itself. So I would say no. Uh, I do not think that it belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies of all time. That said, I do think it's better than other recent content delivery mechanisms like, say, The Rise of Skywalker or Ghostbusters Afterlife or Space Jam A New Legacy. So it's not all bad. Hi, it's bar. not all bar. It's not. All, it, it swings right over that bar, Graham, like between skyscrapers. Um, all right, then. And Graham, mm-hmm. would this be on your own personal no. 250? Your own, okay, all right. Breed, would I this be on your quarter? <laughs> uh, no, Darren, it's not making my. Which is interesting because normally when I'm on this, it's usually for something that does make my personal 250. <laughs> so no, this doesn't. Um, and, and Luke, would this be on your own personal 250? Your own 250 favorite movies of all time? No, but I, I don't want to give the impression that like I'm somehow furious or like. <laughs> really like upset with the quality of the movie or anything like that like it is what it is i'm more kind of i think you and i darren we're both like but more jaded <laughs> defeated Aww. resigned if, if if you will 
to like it. It is what it is. Yeah. It's grand. We were we were messaging afterwards, and I think my response was, "I think I'm numb, but it's fine." No, but not even oh that. It's just like what, as Andrew says, like you kind of know what to expect. It gives you that, and that's 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 perfectly <laughs> grand. And like when you see how many people are enjoying it, yeah, more power to them. Wouldn't be yeah. on my list though. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to that in a second, but I would agree with that sentiment. Um, Andrew, what about yourself? Would it be on your own personal 250? No, no, it wouldn't. And, um, um, no, no, it, it, like it, it's, um, it's, uh, I think, um, I think Tom Holland is a decent Spider-Man. Um, I enjoyed it. I kind of laughed, um, like a few times during it. Um, it had stuff that didn't really do anything for me, but I, I, I feel like I've heard at least that a lot of audiences were into it. I was in an audience at like just after four o'clock and it was, it was, I think it was like late enough that kids were getting out of school and going straight to us and probably meant nothing to them. Like the, some, some, yeah, of, some, some of the stuff of the that we'll get of, into in a second. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, I, I guess it's like four, people um and uh, that people really enjoyed it i'm interested to see kind of um why uh, graham didn't enjoy it so much anyway sorry i i guess we'll i suppose we'll get to that um but no no um how about yourself oh uh, should we say like is this worth going to a cinema for that seems well, like the, the, that'll be the, the, that's the, the real that's, kind of question yeah, yes we I are mean, literally they, one answer away from getting to that andrew yeah it's kind of yeah yeah exactly Sorry, go on uh, ahead. But yeah, no, wouldn't be on my own personal 250. I like Luke. I I feel like I'm the Grinch that ruined Christmas. Everybody seems to really, really love this movie. And that's great. Life is short. Things are hard. People should enjoy things. It's really moving to see people enjoying things. I feel terrible that I don't enjoy this. And I find myself, like Luke, feeling more numb inside in reaction to it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, more power to those who do. But no, it would not make my own... Uh, personal 250 and then yes the question andrew asked which is if listeners have not already seen spider-man no way home and it is only available in a cinema graham would you recommend that they pause the podcast and go to a cinema to see it um no uh sorry yeah it doesn't matter what i say it doesn't matter what i say uh people are going to see it people have already seen it i myself have just come from a screening with, that was absolutely packed with kids and like adults and all that, and yeah, everyone's gonna see it. Like you can even see it in the blo- in the box office. Everyone and their mother has seen it, so it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. <laughs> oh, this is a really happy Christmas, everybody. We should Sorry. say we released this. This is like less- the this is the podcast right before Christmas, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. No. Well, okay. Oh, we're gonna gosh. be releasing. We're gonna be releasing some like it hot on Christmas Day. So we'll hold oh, okay. There. That's all right. Um. But Breed, what about yourself then? Follow that, as they say. But would you recommend that people uh, watch the movie in a cinema? Um, it's interesting uh, what yourself and Luke were saying about how it gives you what you were expecting. Uh, I will say that there was one thing in this film that I did not expect. I can't say what that is yet. But uh, for that alone, uh, I also might be the only person who was actually looking for that. So I don't know. Uh, for that alone, I'd say, yeah, go see it. All right, then. And Luke, what about yourself? Would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and go and see this in a packed cinema? Well, it's going to be so spoiler heavy what we talk about, Darren. They pretty much have no other option. 
They, they, I it's don't, almost as if this is a marketing strategy. I don't see how they can possibly listen to this and make any sense of it until they pause the podcast. Very true. It. Yeah. Um, and, and Andrew, what about yourself? So you saw it with an audience. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, I feel I feel, I feel, feel like I, I and a lot of other people, just in spite of the effort to not have spoilers, new stuff about the movie, and not just from the trailers, um, but, but from, from hanging out of... with people like me, unfortunately, I'm sorry. Exactly, yeah. But even <laughs> like being being on YouTube, like the algorithm will just tell you. Like if you've ever watched any of those kind of um, like Toby Maguire kind of, um, I'm going to put dirt in your face kind of uh, 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 videos. What? Um, Who did what? you mention? What actor did you mention? What? I, it, I don't know why you oh, no. that person in relation to this movie. Um, I was talking about the abortion movie, the, oh, the okay. Cider House Rules. Um, the wow. folksy abortion movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That was okay. like the worst um, way to try and save. That was, that was a really nice save. I really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Like you were reaching um, for that goblin bomb as it was hurling through the air. It was, it was quite um, impressive. Spoiler. From, from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, that I, 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 kind of like, I, the depends on the public health advice in your area and whether, and whether you want to see it. Yeah. You know, those are two factors. Not um, seeing it, people going, like, you can't go after eight. Yeah, I, I when when I went to the cinema, um, they were great. They checked uh, the certs when booking. They asked, like, have you been vaccinated? There, um, everyone was a few spaces apart. Yeah. Um. And 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 everyone in the audience, um, I think kids get a bad rap because everybody wants to blame somebody um, when things go bad. But they were all wearing their masks that I could see, and um, yeah, it was it was it, it, it was, I guess it was as safe as it could be. The opposite maybe. was me: a bunch of kids on two sides of different aisles screaming. Like literally, one was on their phone. Well, kids are, the <laughs> kids are the worst. They are, they are causing these, this. Kids these days with their rock and roll and their hip hop. Kids get a bad rap. He meant from himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for myself, and I, maybe this is something that we'll get into in the spoiler zone. I gave I mean, him a bad rap. I was like, "Hey, kids, I'm cool. Uh, my name is Rapper hey, Andrew. Hey, and I'm here to say, what's up, fellow kids? Uh, yeah, how do you do? But." Um, yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to the cinema, odds are you're going to see this. Um, there are reports from the States of, like, people who have tickets to go and see Nightmare Alley getting emails from the cinemas asking would they mind refunding the ticket, cancelling yep. the screening, and staging a Spider-Man No Way Home screening instead. Yep. Um, that's the situation that we're Poor in right now. Guillermo del Toro. Statistically speaking, if you're going to the cinema, you are probably going to see Spider-Man No Way Home. How much um, could you get if you were to, like, hold out. Um, trade in one of those... Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro tickets are they like EFTs now? No, 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 no. sorry, <laughs> NFTs. Um, NFTs, yeah. EFTs. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah. So that's that's the situation uh, that we're kind of in right now. If you are going to the cinema, you are probably going to see this. I mean, look, if you if you like the Marvel movies, if you like Spider Man movies, you will probably respond to this in some way. If you like, without spoiling the movies, maybe nostalgia, maybe remembering things from when you were a child feeling comfortable wrapping that warm blanket around you, you will probably enjoy it. I mean, look, looking at the online reaction, lots of people seem to, like, really enjoy it. The eighth best movie of all time. So I don't begrudge people that. And I say, yeah, if you're, if you seem like the kind of person, if you, if this seems like the kind of movie that you would enjoy, 
go and see it and go and see it quickly before somebody spoils it for you because I did see it with an audience that I get the sense didn't know all of the twists ahead of time and their reaction was very strong. Um, Luke, I think, and Graham were both in that audience as well. Um, the, 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 when certain things happened, they did get a response from the audience. And there's viral clips going around of audiences responding to these things. And I mean, there's stuff to talk about in the s'more zone about that. But I think at least some, maybe most of that is genuine. And yeah, so I don't begrudge at that. So I guess, yeah, if, if, if it interests you, oh. go and... Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to go see a panto and like engage, go for it. well, okay, Gra- Graham, Graham. Mm-hmm. Pantos no, okay, a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> the kids aren't allowed to go see this, so they have to actually go see Spider-Man instead. And I think this is the fastest we've got through the pre-spoiler zone amble. So with that in mind, I'm going to segue neatly into the. <laughs> we, we we haven't spoken about the production. <laughs> what are we... We're okay. We're okay. We're no, it's we're okay. We're okay. <laughs> Sorry, did I interrupt you, Darren, when you were going to the spoiler zone? Well, I was going to segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Oh, but we haven't talked about people got. <laughs> Okay, so, Breed, what is Spider-Man No Way Home about for you? Okay, so for this, you're going to need a little history on my viewpoint of the previous two Tom Holland Spider-Man films, in which I I don't see him as Spider-Man whatsoever. I have referred to him in my head as Iron Man Jr., uh, which I actually saw was one one of the uh, tabloid headline things in the film, so I was I was quite happy to see that. Um, it's a viral it's a viral meme. A lot it gets thrown around. Yeah. Like, when I have angry Marvel fans in my mentions, I see those three words a lot. I have been calling him that for years since this first film. Um, so the one thing I got in this film that I was not expecting was Spider Man. Uh, I had definitely not been expecting it, and I kind of felt by the end he'd kind of almost earned the right to call himself Spider-Man. So that was my main takeaway. Whatever else nonsense <laughs> is going on, I'll give him that. All right, well, okay, let, let's talk about that specifically before we jump into the other stuff. Uh, uh, the other stuff that I suspect everybody listening is really excited to talk about, but I think what Bree brings up is an interesting point, which is my hot take on this movie is that it is a divorce movie. It is the yes. most high-profile divorce movie since Marriage Story two years ago. This is a movie about two studios at war with one another, facing irreconcilable differences, trying to figure out which one of them is going to take the kid home. Then arguing that they are living their best life and also hitting up some of their exes as well to prove that they've got what it takes and they're still as young and vital as they ever were. So yes, before this, Andrew, be careful what you wish for. You have jinxed it. Now I'm pulling that little orange spell ring and it's like, let's go into the movie production details. This movie enters production almost immediately following the release of Far From Home in 2019, another Christmas release. Um, at that time, there's also a... Hold on, I think I hear... I think the doorbell's insane going downstairs. Give me, can you give, guys give me a couple of seconds? Sure, yeah, no problem at all. What's the mice do while the cat's away? We're vamping now. Uh, so I'm going to do some quality vamping. Yeah. I think this is the most significant divorce movie since Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, um, and and it, 
it, what it, what it, and it, it's no surprise because it's harking back to the kind of nostalgia of Kramer versus Kramer. You have every I couldn't believe it when Kramer came out. Yeah, when the door just kind of uh, bursts open. <laughs> And Kramer from and, and then the two Kramers are pointing at each other, um, and they they are like flying around New York after each other. Yeah. When, when Garfield appeared, but it wasn't Andrew Garfield; it was the cartoon cat. Oh God! That was incredible. And it was. I mean, Monday, so we're yeah, in the spoiler zone now, so we can. When when the Garfield from another universe, Heathcliff came out. Oh, forget about it. Tears. Sorry. No, you're all right. We were just talking about <laughs> we were um, Garfield, uh, Heathcliff, Garfield. Um, <laughs> the important points. Uh, but yeah, so this is this is a divorce movie. So Andrew, you wanted to know the production history. Let's dive right on in there. 2019, after release of Spider-Man: Far From Home, a movie that makes 1.3 billion dollars globally at the box office, becomes one of the top ten. Highest grossing movies of all time upon release. Marvel Studios and Sony look at that and they say, hey, we'd both like a bigger piece of that pie. Marvel say, hey, the contract that we share over Tom Holland is coming to an end. We would like to renegotiate it. At the moment, we get 5% of the first dollar gross on every Tom Holland Spider-Man movie in return for our creative consultation, in return for the right to use some of our characters, and in response, and in return for folding Tom Holland into our shared universe as part of the Avengers movies. We would like to take 50% of that, please. Sony say no, and decide that they are going to take Tom Holland and their Spider-Man property out of the MCU and basically reboot and go back to the old model that they had with Sam Raimi with Mark Webb, where they operated their own separate Spider-Man universe. The Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. The spunk, as it were. This happens. The internet goes completely wild. There are all sorts of really intense debates about how Sony is ruining the character of Spider-Man. This weird corporate fandom that I think we will probably talk about in a little while. What, what's going on, Darren? What do you mean, what's going on? I mean, some, something's, something's uh, strange with this meeting. The, what's, what's happening? <laughs> Andrew, what have you done? What have you done, Andrew? I, I, it must have been something I said before in the spoiler zone. <laughs> I, I, I wanted what, to just... Wait, what's happening? Bagno! <laughs> and I wished it, and he came along. Just like magic. This twist. <laughs> The podcast audience was not expecting that. That, re- By the way, that's the same reaction that we got in the movie when Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire appeared. So consider yourself very lucky. Phil, how what are you? What the goddamn piss hell are you all talking about? I'm, I, <laughs> excuse me, but <laughs> I am here to discuss Phil. the miraculous entry straight into the top ten of the undisputed masterpiece that is Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Are you all not? <laughs> Good one. It's, it, it, you're from another universe, Phil. Is that what is happening? Have you, My you... mind unraveling so soon. <laughs> what? Have you seen the Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man? Is that what you've come here to talk about? <laughs> I remember that movie. Phil, you did not like... see this film. Last I heard, that's like 20 years ago. Is it not? Right? It and was, there are no other indeed. Spider-Man movies to talk of, correct? Well, have we got a deal for you? 
Um, They've made but, more. There's like there's like seven more. And there's a Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters that includes a star vehicle for Jared Leto. Woo! A star oh, vehicle. Oh, oh no! <laughs> there were. <laughs> oh, well. I see. It's... What? I don't I'm... like this universe. I mean, can I say right I now? I mean, the happy universe I came from, the highest rated comic book movie of all was American Splendor. What is this? I... Yes, with Paul Giamatti. Mm. He's playing the that? Russian Rhino. Playing, playing <laughs> the Rhino. Yeah, he plays the Rhino in Amazing Spider-Man 2. He does play the Rhino. I was really disappointed that this movie didn't feature a subplot with the Sandman and the Rhino going on a trip through wine-tasting country. Yes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I I, like I, they... I I I I don't know this this universe is freaking me out. Darren, you've lost weight. Andrew, you've gained weight. <laughs> <laughs> and we is it that we love Marlo and hate people? Oh no! Moore? If anybody orders Marlo, yeah. I am leaving. I am not drinking any <laughs> Marlo. <laughs> oh, oh, now that should right. be in the top two fifty as well, Mister Denton. <laughs> it's like it's like when Venom entered the MCU. What's a Venom? Yeah. <laughs> the listeners are wondering what did Phil think of this movie? What yes. yes. Gotta give him the four questions. Of course Phil didn't watch. I didn't see Toby Maguire Spider-Man. I haven't seen that in a very long time. Yeah. Uh-oh, he's 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 really he's looping. He's yeah, he's, his audio seems to be skipping. Um his licorice pizza seems to be tripping. Um I'm really looking forward to licorice pizza. Should. It's it's really great. It's really great. <laughs> That's um, disgusting all, all as right. it sounds. Yeah. So well, anyway, so yeah, su- so, so anyway, I'm sufficiently freaked out, so I'm going to go return to my universe where things make a lot more sense. And there's Can we come with you. Thanks, yeah. thanks Phil. It's totally worth it. <laughs> Love you, Ezra Love Miller. You, Phil. Bye. Bye, Phil. Take Bye. me with you. Bye, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> just like that, he was gone. Like my favorite part of the film, Eddie. What a bewildering experience. What? It was cool to see him. No, I know. You were so all right. sad. Okay, so, so what, what happens then is basically, so, you know, Sony go off, there's this big fandom thing where fans are online, they're very upset about, like, you know, Marvel, sorry, Sony taking Spider-Man away from Marvel Pictures, so they strike a deal at the last possible minute, and what I think watching this movie is that it feels very much like you're watching Sony at the negotiating table, because much like any face is a biography, I would argue that every movie is a documentary of its own production. And what's really interesting as we reach the franchise age is that we have this thing where these movies that are about these grand corporate behemoths and their relationship to one another end up becoming about that. They end up, like, narrativizing that. So, like, you have this weird relationship between Sony and Marvel where Sony got the rights to Spider-Man in the 1990s. And they made their own series of movies, and those are massively successful. Marvel Studios came along in 2008 with Iron Man, ended up making a bunch of great movies with B-list kind of superheroes like Iron Man, Captain America. And you have this kind of relationship where Sony have arguably the crown jewel, the most recognizable and iconic comic book character of all time who maybe isn't Batman. And you have this thing... Or Superman. Or Superman, maybe. I think there's some argument that Spider-Man outsells... Really? I think, yeah. I think there's some argument that he outsells Superman anyway. He might also outsell Batman. And so, oh, and you mean in comics? In merchandise. Right. In merchandise as well, uh, around the world. Just as an IP. Just like lunchboxes, I clothes. 
dressing up as Spider-Man yeah. is much more fun, maybe, than <laughs> dressing up as Superman. Yeah. So you have this thing where Sony then had this crown jewel, and then you, you have the, the Sam Raimi movies, which launched the superhero genre. You have then the Mark Webb movies, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, which flail terribly, uh, both creatively and commercially. I think somewhere like the, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 made $750 million worldwide and somehow only made $50 million of profit, um, which is quite a kind of a tailspin. Then what happens is Sony bring in Marvel... And That's it's... impressive, though, isn't it? <laughs> like, to, to, uh, as in, like, you know, if a movie makes $750 million, that's a lot of money to make in a movie. Like, it's not the movie's fault how much it costs, <laughs> right? Yeah, um... yeah and, and how much you have to fold in through profit participation agreements and all this sort of stuff. But, yeah, so... But, uh, like, it, is it kind of like, you know, if we wanted to say that it was a success, we could... It's kind of like a number wang thing. Yeah, it's, like, well, it, it's very. But if 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 you look at operating bop, yeah, <laughs> then uh, then actually it's a failure. Um, <laughs> and and then we don't have to pay all. We don't have to pay out on the. Look at its cash flow percentage. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's very similar to what happened Sorry. with Batman versus Superman, where that makes eight hundred million dollars worldwide and is deemed such a failure that you end up rebooting Justice League and handing it to Joss Whedon and basically trying to turn it into a standard Marvel blockbuster in the hopes that it will break the billion because the billion is as we mentioned before the billion is the high watermark here that's what we're aiming for now in modern movie it's making it's a nice round number it, it is it's, it, it, it's you know what Peter Parker said he said a million dollars isn't cool you know what's cool a billion dollars <laughs> I feel like I feel like, Sean. I feel like that was Sean I feel like that yeah but like okay so so what you have is after the failure of Amazing Spider-Man 2 Sony go to Marvel and they say can we cooperate on this I believe it's Feige who comes up with the idea of cooperation so they come up with a plan whereby they will enter effectively joint custody they will cast Tom Holland as Spider-Man Spider-Man will appear concurrently in Marvel Studios productions including Civil War Infinity War and Endgame and then Sony will solo produce uh, a trilogy of movies starring him as well and basically there's this tension that runs through the three Sony projects where you can watch on screen and you can see how uncomfortable Sony are having to share this character with Marvel Studios again. So things like Far From Home, which effectively cast Jake Gyllenhaal as Kevin Feige, as Mysterio, who's effectively a blockbuster filmmaker who decides to ruin Peter Parker's holiday by casting him in a Marvel Studios film, right down to the plot point of having Nick Fury... It's supposed to be like Sideways. Yeah, it's, yeah and, and it ends up becoming like Endgame. It's really, really disconcerting. But like you have the casting of, say, Nick Fury, uh, Samuel Jackson appearing in it, like literally kidnapping Peter Parker and dragging him into a gigantic crossover that's very much kind of modeled on something like the Avengers. And you Sideways have... was probably a bad reference. <laughs> it's like an, 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 an uh, after um, Sunrise, before Sunrise, yeah. uh, before Sunset uh, trilogy, yeah. maybe. And I don't know. Before Sunset Endgame was a real game changer, I thought, where they brought all the characters back. There's a moment where it looks like Ethan Hawke's about to go through a divorce, and then out of nowhere, <laughs> just a hole opens in the sky. Um, and I don't know who would pop out of that. But anyway, you, so... <laughs> sorry, you did quite kind of get the idea that um, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man were kind of re-educating Tom Holland for, away from the Avengers cult. Yes. Um, I was definitely getting that vibe. It's like, they've taught you all these things and it's wrong. This is how to actually be Spider-Man. What, like, I, 
spider in you have, but then you have the fact that yes. he literally yeah. but then you have the problem of the fact that he that he makes them be a team well, saying it, it, that he's better than them because he's been well, with the we Avengers. Well, we were discussing no. that leaving the no, cinema. No. Mm. Nobody, care, nobody cares about the Avengers. At the moment where he says, I was in the mm. Avengers, and they go, what's amazing. the Avengers? I was oh, so happy. for you, kid. You I was so that. happy when they it's did that. It's a band. Like, is that a band? It's a band. I was like, yeah. no, 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 but what, like, the Earth Mind is here. Why does that matter? Okay, it was okay. very grandparent. It, but but it's very much like you look at this movie. This movie is Sony saying we don't actually need Marvel Studios to make a to make our own version of Endgame, and that's entirely correct. It's worth noting this is the third highest grossing week opening weekend ever, more than Infinity War, slightly less than Endgame, but again in the middle of a pandemic. And this is very much a movie. It opens with Marissa Tomei's Aunt May dumping Happy Hogan, who is played by John Favreau. John Favreau is the director of Iron Man, the godfather of the MCU, and the character who consistently represents the Marvel Cinematic Universe in these movies. And May says, clingy. "What? Clingy? Too. He's very yeah. clingy. Um, oh yeah, no, no, the subtext. And in, like, I don't think Marvel is the only thing that um, he even has. No, well. he also like, did like the Lion I, King. I think he's doing a Mandalorian. Yeah, as well. yeah. Um, he's the Disney guy, basically." Like he's he literally yeah. represents the Disney company, John Favreau. Yeah, at this does. point. Um, and Imagine then if you were watching him in the nineties, <laughs> Vince Vaughn swinging around. <laughs> it's like he had a mate. <laughs> and thinking, yeah, this guy's gonna be gonna direct, gonna be in all the billion dollar movies. Godfather of the, of the uh, what a weird universe even, we live in. Even above, even above our DJ himself, you know. Yeah, still that happy. But like, so like the the movie kind of has them breaking up, and it has Marissa Tomei saying, "Look, it was fun, but it was a fling, and it's over now." And the movie ends with Iron Man, you know, the guy who directed Iron Man having completely forgotten about Peter Parker, as if to say, "Okay, he's now out of the MCU." You also have like Doctor Strange, who is the token Marvel crossover character, like Iron Man was in Homecoming, like Nick Fury was in uh, Far From Home, and here it's notable that they literally kick. Doctor Strange out of the narrative during the second act. He's literally locked away in his mirror dimension. So this universe can say, actually, no, it's more fun to play with the established intellectual property that we already own. So characters whoa, crossing whoa, whoa. over they, from Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Sorry. If if that's what they had to establish, why did they make the best part of the movie? <laughs> like the mirror dimension and all of that... Uh... Doctor Strange stuff. I was like, I want to watch just the more Doctor Strange movies. And well, of course, okay, there's like an after credit sequence. The Doctor sequence. Strange movie at the end of this. So yeah, all of that stuff. And and like Matt's is cool. And, and, and to bring it back, oh, yeah. how the hell does Matt's beat magic? Okay. What universe? I guess in in the, in the mirror magic? universe. In the mirror universe. It's elementary. Yeah. Uh, my dear Graham. But to bring it no, back, no, to... no, 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 no. Answer the question. Go on. No, I how think it's cold. Ma- cold numbers beat Disney magic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Breed. And 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 to bring it back to what Breed said, like it's notable that this is six movies into Tom Holland's like tenure as Spider-Man. This is a Spider-Man origin story. Thank like, you. When that is like the top of my notes. <laughs> yeah. When Spider-Man, like obviously he got bitten by the radioactive spider before, but when he was introduced in Civil War, the argument was, look, everybody already knows the Spider-Man origin story. We don't need to do it again. We can introduce a Spider-Man who is fully formed. And you have this thing where there's this debate among fandom about whether Uncle Ben exists for this version of Spider-Man, about whether... I, I, I think you no longer, you're no longer allowed to have 
um, Uncle Ben b- b- because of the like political correctness gone they, mad. They felt that it was an insensitive depiction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the same thing happened to Aunt Jemima, wasn't it? <laughs> Um, this is going to sound very odd to any American listeners. Check the show notes to get the joke. Um, sorry. <laughs> but but to bring it back to what Breed said there, like, y- you have, like, so he's introduced in Civil War as basically already Spider-Man. Um, you don't know whether there's an Uncle Ben. There's a debate in fandom about whether or not, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is his Uncle Ben. There's also, like, it's not until the fifth episode of What If that you actually get the words Uncle Ben spoken by yeah, this come out of his Spider-Man. mouth. Yeah, come out of his mouth, right? So... What's interesting about this, though, is that this gives him the standard Spider-Man origin story. The version that you saw in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, the version that you saw in Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man, the first version you saw in Amazing Fantasy 15 all the way back in the 60s, which is Spider-Man is a kid with superpowers who does something incredibly stupid and selfish. He allows an evil person to escape without consequence because it's not his responsibility to stop them. That evil person kills a relative of his. That relative imparts to him the importance of with great power, there must also come great responsibility. Parker chases down that person who killed his relative and spares them, therefore growing as a hero and learning to accept the responsibility that comes with his power. And you also have, as Bree pointed out, at the end of the movie, him stripping out all of the MCU stuff, him dropping the costume that he wears, the nanotechnology, the instant kill mode, and sewing his own costume, living in his own crappy apartment, and basically becoming the classic iteration of Spider-Man. And I mean, if we want to push the whole Disney-Sony metaphor back-to-basic Spider-Man thing, it's worth noting that, like, one of the film's big recurring visual motifs is the idea of the Lego Death Star, which was something that I think uh, Peter built with Ned back during Homecoming, which gets knocked over here, by the gigantic Stark arm, which may be the arm, I think, from the original Iron Man movie. And at the end of the movie, you simply have the Palpatine Lego action figure placed on Peter Parker's desk as if to say, we've knocked back all of the stuff around this and we've just got the character at their basic boiled down, stripped away from all this unnecessary construction and Lego and nonsense and noise around it. Uh, You know, again, it's... Very telling that even the visual motifs within Spider-Man No Way Home are tied to the larger brand merchandising and being actual Legos and also to, like, the properties that are also owned by Disney, Star Wars. (laughs) So it's really interesting that, like, the third Tom Holland solo Spider-Man movie following three team-ups within the MCU is Sony basically saying, look, we can make a solo Spider-Man movie by ourselves. I find that really interesting. Makes you feel like Sony maybe used Marvel to like, <laughs> thanks for laying the groundwork. We'll see you in the skies. Because <laughs> right. the biggest the biggest complaint was always we're only getting his origin story, so you have to wait for the second film before you really get an adventure with him. And now we are going to get like because they're already starting. We've got three more. Doc- they've they've yeah, got they've three. Already, there's there's two more trilogies, and they're already starting work on their next film. So Sony listeners cannot see Luke's like, face. It never, it never ends. It never, what I find, <laughs> like, what I find so funny about this movie's uh, take on the idea that you know, with great power comes great responsibility, is that that's the lesson you usually see Peter Parker learn as like a 16, 17 year old who makes an a impulsive and emotive decision that really, that really costs yeah. him. 
Not to stop yeah. a burglar robbing a wrestling show, not to stop a guy robbing yeah. a deli, that sort of thing. Whereas what I find so weird is that like Tom Holland Spider-Man to me has always been like such a sweet boy, <laughs> such a such a, a kind-hearted innocent. And then he spends he spends this like three hour long movie being like my problem yeah why do i have to do even though that? he definitely he's, he's, caused it he's in real bad form he's really moody like all the way through and it like it takes him the entire film to learn this lesson <laughs> so he just keeps like hey, hey I guess now, their, and, a, and a family it's, death it's their attempt to have yeah. a theme i guess is to is to keep going back to it and back to it but it's just a lot of him like pulling the face and be like what should i like he's copping a real attitude yeah i mean that, that doesn't doesn't Doctor Strange want to kill everyone? No, and that's um, not even Spider Man doesn't. That is our debate. That is our, that is the central and moral debate the of the movie. Thing. And, the worst thing. and Aunt May also doesn't want them all to die. But they're going to die either way. It's like we should we should we 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 should save them, cure them, uh, right? And, and and like Aunt May, or or is Aunt May saying like we need to help this person? As in like kill this person with uh, with mental but health what, problems what I, what I th- they'll be happier this what way. i really think but, you, um, what i really think you see happening here is this um this kind of allegorical or metaphorical idea of of, of the, the whole great power and great responsibility thing which sam raimi does really well in the original spider-man which is it's a very heightened reality it's a very unliteral tr- kind of truth that you see in terms of Peter Parker, the dorky teenager, all that kind of stuff, being retrofitted into this like plot and you know teasers and spoilers and uh, you know everything has to connect to the next bit of the MCU kind of storytelling, where it's it's much more and look these are all movies for kids so you you, you kind of you wouldn't hold it too much against it, but it's a very literal and very um infantilizing <laughs> approach to those ideas where the, the the choice is either to kill all the baddies or to use good guy juice on them to make them good and then send them away so you don't have to worry about them anymore <laughs> and and so like really either decision that 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 Peter Parker has to make doesn't make emotional sense. It's so disconnected <laughs> and, from anything resembling and, and, emotional and the, reality. Yeah. And and it, it, it kind of he has this like dark night of the soul thing that again you can never really emotionally buy into and then it kind of just resolves itself quite unnaturally. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is all to again to bring you to and now he's ready for the next adventure. And it's just yeah. it's just constantly the there's one. there's a dollar on a on a string that you're kind of chasing after and every time you get over to it they're just like oh we're gonna yank it onto the next bit of this phase or whatever it's it really detracts i think from the resonance of what they're actually trying to say because they're doing it so not half-heartedly but so mechanically calculatedly yeah that's it and yeah i mean we'll talk about that maybe in recommendations that's so many things. Andrew recommends calculating things. Maths. Maths is cool. <laughs> maths. <laughs> if you turn a calculator upside down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it says boobies. <laughs> um, but like, okay. So like, I mean. The angle of the dangle is. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. All right. <laughs> um, 
in a, in a foundry. Um, we need to inject you with some good guy juice. Um, <laughs> the two fifty, the two fifty oh, slash, yeah, the two fifty slash, uh, yeah, I know. Two fifty kind of because... slash fandom just went a bit wild with that suggestion. <laughs> but um, the fan fiction, yeah, think of the the imagery. Okay, but what I always I, knew it would be you, I, Darren, who would take gonna, things too far. I'm I'm going to stop writing my Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire, uh, Tom Holland slash fic, and open <laughs> up my Darren Andrew tab. Hang on. <laughs> Thank you. But like, okay, I, like this is this is the thing that I think kind of I'm I'm torn about when it comes to the movie because Luke kind of mentioned. All of this stuff feels incredibly calculated, almost kind of algorithmically generated. And it's like all the like this movie is packed full of ideas and suggestions and themes and images. Like I like the idea of this as an immigration metaphor, because there's this big thing where like these people are brought over as refugees. And this thing where like Norman Osborne is homeless and he's living in the street and he's living in rags and he's got mental health illness. Send him and back. He, and he, that's it exactly. He can't remember like his family, he can't remember who his brain is scrambled. He used to be a great inventor where he came from, but now he's begging for scraps. And like, it's very much like, okay, this he used is... to be a bit of a scientist himself. You know, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Um, but like something of a scientist. But but like he used. You have this idea that these people kind of like ended up here by accident, and they are our responsibility. And the idea, like the climactic fight, takes place on the Statue of Liberty. What Peter very pragmatically describes as the place that body second chances so the movie doesn't upset fox news by actually making its like immigration metaphor explicit. you mean the daily bugle yeah the, yeah um i mean alex <laughs> ross i mean J, J jonah jameson J, J jonah jameson alex is Jones, right, but... not alex ross the famed anim- cartoonist uh, uh, oh. you mean alex jones alex jones alex jones, yeah. alex jones sorry <laughs> We did not mean no, Alex, Alex Ross, Ross is, is a fantastic the MCU artist. You didn't take uh, your brain pills. The only other fix. The only other fix I'll need. You speak on the immigration and you speak on um, all these refugees and that. Anyone else find it really creepy and weird that the Statue of Liberty has now got a was going to have a shield on it, and yet it's a it, it's it's a present from France. Like is that not kind of like is that not but kind of weird? Graham? You see, you see this the imagery of this letter on my forehead, Graham. Do you think it yeah. stands for France? That was yeah, a, but <laughs> that version of of Captain I thought America that was is a from scar. Mark Miller's like really shady. Now looking back at it, version of the Avengers. Okay, well, which to be fair the, is this version okay, of the two two two, th- the, two things. The, oh, the, okay, can I say that the 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 lantern was to guide people. Towards the shores of America, yeah. and, and the, the shield, shield is to stop is to keep them, them from getting near it. Yeah, one, yeah, exactly. Well, like, both sides, both sides of the debate. Uh-huh. Like you know, there are there are reasonable points made on both sides. Well, that that's the thing about the immigration metaphor, where it's like, okay, well, to Graham, because you asked, brought up the nerdy issue of the shield. Two things to note: Ner- there. nerdy issue. I talked about it. How how the weird thing. It's all nerds are okay the, here. The, we are we are very nerdy. All nerds here. I, right. I am very excited to talk about this, Graham. That wasn't. I wasn't disparaging. I apologize if it sounded like I was. The thing about the shield is, it's a, if you listen to the radio throughout the movie, the public yeah. the public yeah. are against the addition of the shield, which is interesting. Which yeah. feels like right. feels like another Sony giving a a kind of a veiled middle finger. Um, towards Marvel and the second thing that happens is as soon as the shield is installed it collapses down and gets demolished by Spider-Man again perhaps a none too veiled bit of imagery you can read into this and at this point do we all kind of agree Steve has got to be dead right at this point Steve is dead 
Steve? Like, after Endgame. Rogers, uh, Captain America. After Endgame. When he, he was played by Clint right. Eastwood at the like, end yeah, of Endgame. Winter, yeah. Yeah, when, no, he played, by, oh. he played by Joe Biden. Um, Winter Soldier, you know, Falcon, um, also Hawkeye has the whole uh, Rogers musical, which feels like it's another kind of, they say it's for the Avengers, really it's for Steve. Um, and then you have like now the statues, just, it's really, so so just, just come out and say Steve Rogers is dead. But you see, the second they say he's dead, they can't bring him back. Yes, they can. The MCU yeah, has he, proved he the did, multiverse He didn't exists. have any... He didn't have any bullets in his gun, and the gangster shot him. Right? <laughs> the, that's what that's what happened. We oh, I God, don't think it. we've we've never actually covered it on the podcast, but but um, but Grant Torino, like we've all seen. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, it's Joe yeah. Biden. It's not. It's not Clint Eastwood. He I, looks far too happy. Okay, but um, so yeah, so I find that fascinating as well. But the, like the immigration metaphor. And because Luke, as Luke said, like everything else, it's so heightened, it becomes absurd. So it's an immigration metaphor where, A, some of the immigrants are literal and figurative monsters. One of them is an actual lizard man who may eat people. The other one is like a mass murdering psychopath who likes blowing stuff up and laughing about it, uh, which kind of undermines your idea of like immigration metaphor. The second thing that it is kind of a bad hombre. The second thing is that like, yeah, is that I mean, there's some of them are good people. Yeah. Um, like Otto Octavius. But the other thing is that like, it's an immigration metaphor that never once suggests amnesty, which I find absolutely fascinating. In that it's like, you can't send them back. They'll die. Come on, Strange. Have a heart. And he's like, it's their fate. They're not meant to be here. And you're just waiting for somebody to go, well, what if maybe they stayed? What if we didn't send them back to certain death? And the movie's like, no, good guy juice. That is the solution to this problem. Let's just inject them with good guy juice, send them back, and then they're not our problem well, the anymore. Film, the, film then pos- the film then puts forward the fact that if they stay, they're going to wreck wreck house. Yeah. Because they don't want to go back to being, to uh, dying, to, to death. But again, I will point out, and it's a really weird thing that the film does. It's like, we're going to absolve Peter, and I mean plurals in the sense, all Peters of all supposed mistakes and wrongdoings, even though Andrew Garfield never killed any of his villains and uh, all the deaths in um Toby's films yeah. oh yeah all, all the toby uh, films were self-inflicted doc ock um committed you know sacrificed himself to save everyone else and the green goblin died because he impaled himself uh, on his own glider while trying to stab peter in the back yeah, yeah. godspeed well, spider-man it's I- like, but it's this like crap, but like they, but they all died trying to kill um, Spider Man. Wasn't that? Better, no, no, a better job no, at no, 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 no. The, the, the okay. This, this, what? this is the thing: is that it's the memory and nostalgia thing that really messes me up and grinds my gears. Where this movie isn't recreating or recapturing or actually engaging with the substance of the past. It is not actually. It doesn't actually care about these movies or these characters or these versions yep. of these characters. It cares about the nostalgic memory associated with them. So it doesn't matter that, like, at the end of Spider-Man 2, Octavius is redeemed and chooses to sacrifice himself. Because that's a more complicated narrative than this is interesting. Maybe that's why he did it. Because he was fixed in an alternate universe and then went back. It doesn't matter that the lizard didn't actually die. Um, It doesn't matter uh, any of this stuff because all that matters is the public perception of this, which is the idea that these Spider-Man movies were dark and wrong because he killed his villains. And killing is wrong for superheroes, but wiping the entire memory of the planet is perfectly morally reasonable. And don't you dare question it. I'll also point... 
I also also point out Peter in this universe is the only one with an instant kill suit. Yeah, yeah, like right. he's the only one with an instant kill suit, which he uses. So, well, he, uh, he was in bad humor, like I say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, he, he, yeah. everybody has a bad day. Um, I think like these movies so kind aliens. of he's so xenophobic. They get on their high horse about killing people, and like, you know, they let's just be honest. You know, we all do it. Like, well, I know, breaks the all the time. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I feel, I feel like but movies are increasingly judgmental about this. It's, it's again, it's, yeah. it's, it's woke exactly. culture gone mad. Yeah, it's, it's cancel culture. It's um, cancel culture. That's why I left Twitter. <laughs> but sorry, but again, sorry. I, that's really I, worrying. That's the reason why you left Twitter. <laughs> sorry. But again, like the the villains in particularly the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies were always supposed to be in conversation with what. Peter Parker as a character was going through himself in each individual film and and have thematic resonance not only with each individual film, but again, that overarching idea of, of, of power and responsibility. And you have people that are human and flawed and, 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 and can be flawed in the same ways that Peter Parker can be, reacting in different ways to power and that taking them to different places and and again you see in this film where peter is struggling with his own sense of responsibility and also struggling with his own rage and 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 frustrations and he has this whole thing as the movie goes on where he's like i want to kill the uh green goblin Goblin." and it kind of just doesn't really do anything (laughs) kind of because i i feel like they don't know how to in a way that squares all these corporate uh, circles, you know, that doesn't tie it all up neatly for Marvel or for Sony or for, you know, the, it's bad for the brand. If you, you know, I, I, I think they don't know how to deal with it. So they kind of just say that they've dealt with it. I mean, this, okay. It's very this unsatisfying. Is, this is something I kind of want to get into. I mentioned it before the spoiler zone. This is a movie that really, I think, suffers from spoiler phobia like it suffers yeah 100 well oh, sorry. no okay. i uh, okay uh, well when i say it, suffer it i mean suffers doesn't... suffers like creatively it certainly benefits commercially i think from spoiler phobia how much is it worth though as, as as in like i'd be curious to know because i i think what what the studio i were trying to do and i don't know if they actually leaked things to make kind of to make people um, kind of speculate this is... on what might be in the movie, but but is it is is the best way to watch this to know nothing, which is kind of almost impossible, um, and is is the novelty of the movie to kind of go in and be like, oh, my, I, I just thought this was like a third Spider-Man movie, like I've watched one, I've watched two, but did uh, I didn't I didn't think all this would happen. I thought they were just ignoring that all that Garfield stuff happened. <laughs> I th- thought they were just ignoring that. How weird is it that it's like the third movie? I get that that J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie like did it in the first one and said it's okay that you love those old Star Trek movies because this is a different universe. Um, and it's like uh, who 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 would expect them to do this, or maybe everyone would expect them to do this. I I feel like because the audience for this is so enormous, you are just proportionally going to have millions of, of of viewers that are going to have had no idea about any of this stuff. Right. But but with such a large amount 
of people, I feel like there's an element of kayfabe to this yes. spoiler culture. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Know, where, where, you know, where we're all kind of in on the idea of not spoiling something. But when you have, like, Andrew Garfield being asked over and over again over the course of several years if he's going to be in a movie and he's conspicuously denying it in public interviews every time, they, they do that same thing in wrestling where, where they ask somebody that's coming to show up in the Royal Rumble, you know, are you going to be a surprise entrance to the Royal Rumble? I did feel that fun. And surprise, surprise, they say no. So that when you show up, people act more. And it's about kind of buying into your own surprise. You know, when yeah. you see those videos of people cheering in the cinema, I'm not saying that those people aren't excited. Of course they are. They well, have there's an element of performativity into it. it, yeah, with this idea that they're 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 gonna have something to cheer about, and if X happens, they'll certainly cheer about that, you know. And I think that that's fine. Like I think that that's that's it. It's its own kind of form of entertainment. But but I I think that there is a certain amount of yeah of buying into it. Like Darren, when when yourself, myself, and Darren, uh, or and Graham and Breed saw the film first last week. They had one of the, which is very commonplace now among these big tentpole movies, the, the pre-screening, uh, please don't spoil, video. 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 We'll, include in the, we'll include in the show notes. <laughs> which includes one of the characters who is hypothetically a, a, a spoiler. Jamie Foxx is Electro. Jamie Fox. And when you have that immediately before the film and in the midst of a message saying, oh, no, we, the reason that we're saying all this is to preserve the surprise for people. But we don't mind spoiling a free. Well, no, no, but, no, but like but I mean, even again, in the video, like, even in the video themselves, Tom Holland's like, "Oh, but but Jamie, you're a spoiler," and he's like, "What do you mean I'm a spoiler?" Uh, and it, it becomes part of the performance and pantomime of it. So it, it becomes about this idea, not that there are legitimate surprises or that the surprises themselves legitimately matter. I don't think you lose anything in theory from knowing that Thomas Hayden Church is in this film. <laughs> is but Thomas Hayden the, Church I, in this film? Is he in it? <laughs> But is Risa Fons in this? Because I'm not sure he is. But about the idea that there are spoilers to be seen. And a movie that spends a lot of time marketing the idea that it has a lot of spoilers in it, surprise, surprise, ends up earning more. Like, they're not saying, don't spoil West Side Story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know how the Jets and the Sharks get on. But like, okay, but like, that—that that is that is the thing, though. It becomes a way of kind of driving enthusiasm and interest. And I mean, look, I... If it works for people, it works for people. And I think, like, there is something to be said about the communal experience of movies and the idea of being in a crowd and experiencing a movie and this being a form of that. And I'm wary of kind of looking down my nose at that or people who do look down their nose at that. I found myself quite discomforted at the number of people sharing videos of people, like, jeering at this online and going, look at how awful this is. I find it like, hey, they're enjoying the movie. There are probably maybe COVID concerns right now about screaming that loudly in a room that packed. But, like, I mean, as a like as an idea, having that emotional connection to a film um even if part of it is performative i think that's wonderful and amazing and moving and great and i find myself like I, I, spectacular a spectacular yeah uh sensei, a friendly a friendly neighborhood experience is how i would describe super, it but, superior but like i i find myself coming back to that thing that luke said where this is all calculated and knowing and it's like you know and we know 
and you know that we know and you cannot talk about this movie. And I mean, I, I, I've covered this movie on radio and I, I have to say, look, go and see it if you care about spoilers because there, you're going to be revelations in there. If you want to see it on spoilers, you need to see it as quickly as possible this weekend, which naturally drives up the big opening box office weekend because you have that fear of missing out. Um, and that kind of like leads to a situation where this earns like, what, $200 million, $237 million in its opening weekend in the United States. And the next highest grossing movie earns earns like three million dollars um that situation that we're in nightmare alley earns three million dollars in its opening weekend um because all of its screens are showing well, this movie it's, darren you should you should have said if you want to see if you don't want to be spoiled alley, for nightmare alley, this weekend you don't want it spoiled yeah um but it's but, it's it's just it's just such a strange shift in the culture of yeah. you know, what a spoiler constitutes because if you think yes. of like all the most famous examples in pop culture from and this before, is the spoiler zone, so go ahead there. Well, before the before the kind of turn of the the the, the twenty first century, if you think of stuff like you know icy dead people or, or all that kind of thing, Kaiser self so. it's something that 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 changes the story and 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 would affect your experience of viewing that story. Where and there are bits of that in this, but what they're primarily talking about is is, is a different thing. It's reveals. It's the it's the it's these certain moments and that. It's the seventh so many, lead or the eighth lead of this movie, but which there, is absurd. There are, so many, there are so many moments in this film that are, I don't want to say spoilers for the sake of it, but they really have no substance in themselves or no real resonance to what the movie is as a whole. Like when you see Charlie Cox show up in this movie. Um, as, Daredevil? As, yeah. Yeah, Dare, yeah, Daredevil. That's Matt Murdock. He's the lawyer. Matt He's Murdock. a great lawyer. Um, <laughs> I like that. that, that, that I like that nice. as well. I also find nice it incredible the, the incredible uh, synergy that also Wilson Fisk is in Hawkeye the same week. Holy it's, crap! It's almost as if these things are very carefully stage managed, like professional wrestling, Graham. It's 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 nice to see him, and it's it's cute, and it's like you know, okay, it got a it got yeah, a nice group like of surprise out of out of our yeah. audience and that. But yeah, there was yeah. If that had just know, been like, if that had just been anonymous uh, lawyer number three lawyer. Yeah, it, it, the, the or just a blind lawyer, exactly the same, or a deaf lawyer. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Luke. I don't. Like, ju- I don't prejudge. Uh, I, but Reed, how did you feel about like what we, when we were watching it? Like, how did you feel? Just all of it, because like you just Matt Murdock. Just all of it, because like we were in the set. Like I said, like uh, Luke said, we were in the screening with people who did cheer. You cheered. You cheered when someone showed. I up. was surprised. I think I was more surprised at that than anything else. It was kind of more of a gasp. Um, but yeah um so after um andrew garfield showed up i was kind of expecting andrew garfield to show up which was lovely to see him because he is my personal favorite of the three um uh i genuinely wasn't i don't know even though i kind of was like obviously toby Maguire will show up i still wasn't really expecting it when he showed up and there was like really him he's here ah okay I, I think there's just something at the back of my head was like, yeah, I'm not really going to see him, though. I kind I of feel know. you. I yeah. Yeah. It was and, strange. And, and it made sense as well that he didn't appear in his outfit first because yes. I was like, they couldn't make him put on the outfit. Yes. And then yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> though that brings me back to the kind of, you, you, it, you do eventually kind of see the three of them as the three main stages of Spider-Man. You have your early young Spider-Man who's still in high school, still figuring things out. You've this Spider-Man who's been through some 
horrible, horrible things and is just kind of clawing his way out of it, which is Andrew. And then you have my, like, which I just love, the Zen Spider-Man, who's just, he's accepted all the chaos and all the crazy and like, ah, you guys, he's just like chilled. He's fine. Mm. It was just very refreshing to see. You don't see that too often. The youth pastor Spider-Man. That was, (laughs) that was funny. I did like like just just relaxing and talking about each other, just like how you doing? I'm doing okay, you know. I I like the whole. I did feel the whole apologist scene with with Andrew was annoying, but I did. I'm like, lame. Bonded. I'm lame. I'm lame. Yeah. Like no, he's no, not. No, he's not. I didn't perform up to box office expectations. <laughs> I, yeah, exactly. It's just like I'm not as good as you, and I don't make as much money as you. Yeah, well, you know what? You got in spades that those two don't acting quality. Okay, all right. But, oh, easy. No, it's just no. It's just everyone just like going, "Oh my God, Andrew Garfield's back!" Yeah, where were you guys when his films were out? Um, Two hundred and fifty uh, million dollars worth of you were missing. I didn't watch any of them. If you if you want anybody to direct your anger at Graham. Is it Darren? Uh, attack me. Because I <laughs> oh, didn't see okay. either of those movies. And you, 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 may have, jerk. Uh, you may have made the right choice, Andrew. You may have made the right yeah. choice. I'm I watched sorry. the I, I was Sam Raimi. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I was, I was about to get very angry. Like, he did not <laughs> but, make the right choice. You want to talk about interesting stories that, yeah, they might not be as good as the rest of them. But at least they make interesting choices instead of going for super safe options where it's not Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man and his amazing box office friends. All right. <laughs> um, the Amazing Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man didn't make this list. Maybe it's on the bottom one. I don't know. It is not. Whoa. How dare you? <laughs> Luke, but, don't, stop stirring. Stop stirring. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is one of, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man films and one like a really great superhero film. Because you know what? It's not afraid to show the darker side of things, um, the tragedy. Like, no one expected Gwen Stacy to die in that film. And it, like, what, what? Like, yeah, we kill Aunt May. But you know what? When you have her in about half a film... And then you have her in, I don't know, a third, maybe even a sixteenth of the next film. You don't really feel that sting when she dies from something. And she, like, even though Marissa Tomei is given her all in that scene, I'm really easy to make cry. Everyone, everyone in this knows, can attest to it. I'm super easy to cry. Every time Andrew Garfield showed up, I teared up. I cried a little bit because that scene when he saves MJ... It's beautiful. Every time I say mean things about you. Yes. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, okay. You know what? All right. With Aunt May dying in his arms. Actually, uh, yeah, that is a question. I was wondering about you guys. How did did each of you react to Aunt May? Because just like personally, it was, I didn't really get anything from it. I was like a little sad yeah, I for, up. I was choked for up. Peter. I don't like he's like, oh, you know, he's yeah, lost I didn't feel it. Personally. But there was nothing really... Nope. I, yeah, I didn't. I, it did. It didn't. Um, and I. I don't know. Like, um, if that was the movie's fault, or if there was more that um, uh, Marissa Tomei could have done. But no, it didn't. It didn't get me. Do you know what did get me? Actually, was um, Green Goblin. Like, I. I. I, fu- I found that stuff. Like, like not so much. Not so much. Willem Dafoe. That's Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah. he was fantastic. MVP. He was so good. That's why they call him Willem Dafoe, not Willem (laughs) Dafriend. Even him, him, him stealing those stale donuts from the from the table. Everyone noticed. Finally, somebody I could relate with. Avoiding food waste. That makes him the true hero. Um, By by the way, can we just spend like just a few minutes on donuts? Like the the system. In uh, oh, in the I, coffee shop where, where uh, yeah, they I know yeah. that she's like you know 
this is like her part-time job while she's in school. But what is the system there <laughs> with the donuts? There's some donuts on the left-hand side, some on the right. Some rows are full of donuts. Some donuts, uh, there's like two of them missing. Have you been to New York? They're, Maybe there's a it's system not, it's, it's like, you, you know, either, either start from the left or start from the right. <laughs> Our, but that's the point. There's so much to discuss. <laughs> <laughs> what, you're say, what you're saying, Andrew, is that there's a hole in the middle of this oh, that you just can't. Exactly speaking, speaking of speaking of holes, there are so many plot holes in this film. Okay, okay, okay. We're not off the donuts. We're not. Okay. <laughs> really? What? Let's, but like, we're in, we're let's not go back. The really? We're still talking about the donuts. Um, I want to go to the spoilers. I want, like, I want to talk I, about like Luke, the spoiler we aspect. There. Of, okay, well, well, hang on. Where are we? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so Apparently, donut uh, spoilers. I, 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 I don't just, know. I just okay. wanted to say, Breed, I, I didn't really. I, I thought in oh, yeah, and of it. itself, uh, the Aunt May scene was quite well done. I thought, as you were saying, Marissa Tomei is she really sells it. I thought Tom Holland really sells it. Um. I, I found it hard to really lose myself in it because I think at that stage I have this sense of we're going to go from this into brooding. A, 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 well, no. No, uh, we I, don't. I, I, I didn't feel that we were going to do that, Darren. I felt that we were going to go from this into one of these like now signature Marvel tonal whiplashes, which which we do because that's the scene immediately after that is when they have Andrew Garfield's, Andrew Garfield's introduction and everybody's cheering and having a great time and it's extended he's sticking to the, he's sticking to the ceiling comedy we're, all, we're all giggling <laughs> where they're going sticking to the ceiling that's not even a thing you know that kind of could you get the cobweb he gets the cobweb template kind of Marvel humor and 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 then when even when you next see uh, Tom Holland who is murderous with grief he's still doing the same shtick <laughs> and again, it's this. It's it, I think it's very hard to hold on to that emotional resonance when you are looking at a lot of spreadsheets about how much comedy needs to be in this film, so that people don't tweet about it being too serious or whatever. Proportionate. I mean, I mean, it's it's a failing. It's it's a failing that you can go back to even the beginning of the MCU, even when it's in its earliest days. Um, they don't know how to do. <laughs> Uh, it's a poor phrase of words, but murderous grief. Like these these characters are supposed to feel tragedy, and like superheroes are born out of tragedy, especially Spider Man. Um, and yet, they ne- it never sticks. The, the The emotional resonance of these deaths never seem to stick longer than twenty minutes. Like. There's but a, Graham, you see, if if they do these things seriously, it's pretentious, and it takes itself that, too seriously. See, and and, and yet Kevin Feige says that they don't get Oscar, they don't get Oscar wins. Like they can't it, win uh, everything. It's because they have Chris, to try equipping. Chris yeah. Hemsworth, I think, does a decent job of the kind of murderous rage. But it, in, uh, in, oh, in Infinity Wars. Yeah, 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 no, yes, like, no like, actually, no. He's the outlier. He is actually he. He's I, I think even in then both. they play that. They even played that for a joke with like. The, the CGI raccoon coming up. Oh, that's really sad about your mom. What happened to your uh, sister? Dead. And then they just, like, Chris Hemsworth that is playing scene. it for tragedy. Meanwhile, you've got Rocket just saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Really well you, know that, you know Bradley Cooper. He's a, he's a laugh a minute, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't count. Oh, well, she, it was Sean I put Gunn. Chris Hemsworth fairly high in those kind of, like, uh, power rankings. Yes, no, I agree. Way. I agree. Chris Hemsworth is easily, if there's anyone who can I, really emote those kind of things, it's... Definitely, you yeah. wouldn't give him grief over it, in, no? 
in 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 as as well he's quite good at the other side of things which we kind of i guess might criticize tonally marvel movies doing and i don't think we criticize them if they did it well but um, yeah, like Thor Ragnarok, I think is myself one of myself and Andrew's favorite but Marvel e- movies, even, and that's pure comedy. Even in Avengers, like he really delivers on the comedy. Like the the I love the line kind of um, where he's like saying, "That's my brother," and like <laughs> he's killed hundreds of people. It's like half brother. Adopted, yeah. See that that kind of uh, adopted. Yes, yeah, sorry, still, he's adopted. That rides that wave nicely, I thought, but it's just. Like, yeah. The thing is, a lot of people now, because we all saw the film, um, Venom is in the film briefly, and they leave a little piece of him. Like, Venom is left a little bit left in the MCU, so the MCU can, like, go on and have, you can have your symbiote suit. And the point is that the symbiote feeds off of negative emotions. So going into the next trilogy, potentially, you are going to have a rage-fueled Spider-Man. And this is the MCU's chance to do the symbiote suit proper as opposed to the jazz dancing freak that was Toby in, that, in Spider-Man 3. Graham. What? Graham, like this is one of those things where we have had the Spider-Man symbiont. Like, symbiote. We've had him in Spider-Man 3. Symbiote. We have him in Spider-Man 3. He has his own franchise. We don't need him in the MCU. Then why like has he second... been left? Then explain to me why he was left. Literally as a because nice Luke spreadsheet. Present. Luke's spreadsheet says that that's that's the key to a one point five billion dollar movie. It's the the right, so he'll the symbi- he's still going to show up. The symbiote is going to get angry because the bartender isn't polishing the glass the way you're meant to polish a glass. You just got like an. an... I love I love Andrew's focus in like Spider Man No Way Home. It's on like the serving staff. It's like yeah. you people need to do better. Somebody need... should be focused. Yeah, you need to do yeah, better. Exactly. Okay, can we take a step He's back up then? The glass. Okay. He's getting his fingers all over it. Okay. okay, can we take a step back up then from the Aunt May to the broader spoiler point? Because I do actually think I think this is a movie that is hurt narratively by that like spoiler kayfate that Luke described, right? Where you look at something and I've watched this movie twice. Uh, watched it once with with uh, Breed, Graham uh, and Luke. I didn't get it, didn't connect with it. So I thought I'd try it again. So I watched No Way Home, I watched Far From Home and Into the Spider-Verse and went into it again. And that did not do this movie any favours. You, you didn't get COVID. So you went to, sorry. A second, uh, um, oh, hey, I know. I'll watch, I'll watch one vastly superior film and the predecessor to this one. That's going to work. But... But here's Come the thing, is that, like, Into the Spider-Verse has a similar premise. It's three Spider-Men, and three Spider-Men with three very different life experiences who have an arc, learn something, grow and develop, and our young Spider-Man comes out of it as a new person, having found his purpose in life. It's the basic narrative arc of the two different versions of this movie, the one that we watched and the one that we talked about a couple of years ago, right? The difference is that, like, Into the Spider-Verse is incredibly well-structured, incredibly well-paced, Uh, incredibly well written and it makes a point to introduce each of its three spider-men in the opening act to give them a clear arc character background motivation and payoff over the course of the movie so that it feels like an actual story that happens well they're they're not beholden that's the thing is that this movie is just this movie that had to get get made 
Into the Spider-Verse was only made because it was so good. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah. This film had, this film had no reason to be oh. beholden to what came before. Oh. It shackled itself. Okay, 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 all right. But my, money, my money, point money. is that... Money, money, money. My point is that you look at this movie and you think the two other Spider-Men are only introduced in the third act. And that is a decision that was made to a capitalize on how many days Tobey Maguire appeared to agreed to appear on screen because it's very clear Tobey Maguire was not going to wear the spandex for more than a single day of shooting. Um, you also then have the fact that okay, we want to keep this a secret, so those can only be in three locations. They can only be on the set of the house that we built on the studio backlot. They can only be on a green screen that we shoot against the roof sequence. They're not actually going to put them on the roof, and they're only going to be in the set that we build of the Statue of Liberty. And we can shoot those with skeleton crews and minimize the risk of leaks getting out. Of course, leaks did get out, photos went out, all this sort of stuff. But, like, those are constraints that, like, mean that nothing actually happens involving those characters. They stand there, they say things, they repeat lines from previous movies, they stoke the nostalgia receptors, they take part in the action sequences as CGI doubles, and then they just disappear, and none of them have clear narrative arcs within the film and like okay let's talk about the what is toby Maguire? toby Maguire doesn't have anything to do here like there's nothing in here for toby Maguire to grow learn develop he doesn't have a place where he starts a place where he ends that's different he doesn't get a big emotional scene with norman osborne who was his former father figure he doesn't necessarily teach like young peter anything of of particular note tom holland anything any note um and i get the sense that that's because they probably had difficulty signing toby Maguire, and what we're like you, we need to be able to do this in this character he's so invested in this time he's, he's really giving it yeah, you can all. just tell he just <laughs> he radiates warmth and enthusiasm and excitement he's doing it for the fans uh, um, funny like i think brady you're entirely correct about the kind of the three different Spider-Man's, but it's also the three different phases of, of an actor who plays Spider-Man's career. You've got Tom Holland, <laughs> who's super invested and really giving it his all. You've, you've got Andrew Garfield kind of going, I'm ready to be in tempo franchises again. I've, uh, uh, you know. and, and you've got Tobey Maguire, who's like, I don't need to do this. It's fine. It, I'll show up. You get me for one day. But uh, Eddie, have you, you got any questions about Spider-Man? Oh, it was a fun or the suit. Oh, Amy yeah. Pascal, I owe her right. a favor. Yeah. I mean, like, what, to, to, like, even Peter, uh, Toby's, Toby's uh, character even says, oh, yeah, I've been on your planet for like a day and I'm just, I'm looking for your guy and I, and I have a feeling I need to help him. That is their literal reasoning. It's it terrible. It's like a Comic-Con but, Q&A. But like, and like, okay. And like, so that's, that's the bare minimum. The Andrew Garfield stuff, and this kind of ticks me off a little bit, is that you are seeing people online arguing that Andrew Garfield's character gets an arc here. And he he does not. Um, he gets a bunch of nostalgic Easter eggs and a bunch of continuity rewriting. So, and again, this is the thing about nostalgia that really ticks me off, is that it's like Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's the thing where we're not remembering the thing. We're not, like, celebrating the thing. We're not like going back and revisiting and engaging with the thing as it actually existed. We are instead just indulging our nostalgic well, memory of what we... The thing we... was actually a box office flop. Yeah, in 1982, uh, John, mm. derailed John Carpenter's career. It was absolutely, it's a classic brilliant. now. Absolutely yeah, I mean, Practical we, effect. We kind of come around on it. But like, so, so the thing is that like, okay, so the, the issue is 
that like these nostalgic sequels like erase the reality of what was. So take Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is about how daddy will never leave you. Um, and even when daddy was absent and away on work, he loved you very, very much. And, you know, even though he's dead, you will still see his ghost haunt you and you will fulfill his life's work because he loves you and he cares for you. And that's what Ghostbusters has always been about. Loving and caring and passing it down from one generation to the other. It was certainly never an irreverent comedy about ghost blowjobs. Um, don't, don't know where you got that idea from. Um, and here you have that thing with like the, the feckin' Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Where A, he gets a character arc that unfolds entirely off screen. Where he has this big monologue about how after Gwen died, he came back and he was Spider-Man again. And that's the end of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And he's like, yeah, but then I, I kind of... Then I became the Punisher. Then I had a bunch of murderous rage. I became bitter. Yeah, I got bitter. I got enraged. Uh, I stopped pulling my punches, which is something that happens off screen and seems to imply that he maybe murdered the lizard in cold blood. Um, or, like, uh, no, what, 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 maybe he, he, he got into that rhino suit and just said, yeah, you're not getting out of this rhino yeah, suit. Yeah, if I recall correctly, Amazing Spider-Man 2 ends with Andrew Garfield like mid Mid dive, no mid, yeah, like with, diving with Paul towards Paul Yeah, but he's about to, he's about to. It's, it's, it's an adventure continues kind of the deal. Yeah, but yeah what, what yeah, we see, he rides off into what the sunset. What we don't know is the reason that the Paul Giamatti is not in this film is because Andrew Garfield is he tore dead? Him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, here's I, the thing, Graham. Just... I, I wouldn't usually get like I, I don't tend to get annoyed by certain fandom pressure points or anything like that but it really uh it was like a weird unsatisfying itch that wasn't scratched that this movie has like spider-man facing off against five yes of his most sinister yes! foes I, I spent the yes! whole time being like i called them i called them the furious five in my review <laughs> that's a different franchise just like <laughs> No, I, I mean, for me, it was for me, and it, it's it's. And now this is a this is definitely a nerd thing. When he started talking about you hit a pressure point, Luke. When <laughs> it's, it is funny because no, I, was, I was actually when you were talking about um, when Gar, when Andrew Garfield shows up and he talks about being bitter and rage filled, like he says, rage filled, which is an odd sentence. <laughs> Um, and, it's and because people remember those punches. movies being dark and I, edgy, Graham, and that's how yeah, fans remember. Because, I expected, I expected him to be in a. Bl- I, I actually in the, the second viewing today, I was like, you know, what would really sell this moment if he was in a black suit. Yeah, and like no, but yeah, he's like he's actually wearing a sim. He's actually wearing a symbiote suit, and he's just like after this film, maybe he's maybe he's actually come to end no but then the but... suit slinks away and then it stays on this universe and it goes to peter from this universe graham now that's just my head that's just my head just going you know but it's just like even just for visual di- dichotomy because it got very confusing at the end with all the spider-man i couldn't make out who was who for a little while yeah that's, that's the bit that's you I missed mean. uh graham that, that happens off screen here, oh, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. the off-screen where you didn't even see exactly. either amazing uh, Spider-Man. Andrew no, Garfield, see, have, he's trying to turn that. off the dark. Um, <laughs> don't, don't bring that. Don't bring that. I, I wish. Don't bring that Spider-Man. Spider-Man well, that, 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 but they, they all died. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they couldn't have had. They couldn't have had him with the symbiote because then they wouldn't have been able to make the joke about I've never fought an alien. Yeah. But they could have. Okay, here's the thing. Graham, can I make you feel better? Here's here's my pitch. Like they they you know they're never gonna make Amazing Spider-Man three. Andrew Garfield wants to make more Spider-Man movies. 
Andrew Garfield needs to be in Venom 3 as the Venom symbiont's ex-boyfriend who comes to ruin yes. the romantic comedy like dynamic that Eddie and the symbiont now have cuz like that's what you do in the sequel Why do you keep saying symbiont? Okay, symbiont. Oh, in this in this romantic comedy like dynamic that they have, you always have the hot ex, the big one show up in the sequel. So you want to you yeah, want right. to reveal that like well, cuz like that's what gets like Eddie pulled into like this verse <laughs> is like the symbiont's like I have knowledge that you cannot even imagine. And he's about to tell him about like his, his twink ex-boyfriend. And then suddenly he snapped across universes. Except, except here's the thing. Venom and Eddie. The spell says that anyone who knows Peter Parker's identity as Spider-Man um, will be pulled into the universe. And yet it is stated in this film that Eddie and Venom do not know Peter. Why were they pulled into this universe? Also... Jamie Foxx's Electro never knew that his Peter was um, Spider-Man. So can't, how did he get pulled in Okay, too? like, first of all, I, I don't think the movie is that rigorous in terms of its internal logic, as we've discussed. No, the, I would definitely not. The second thing is that, like, I mean, you could argue, you could hand wave if you felt generous this movie, that he heard, like, no, you know, uh, Harry Osborn talk about Peter Parker and, assu- uh, and assumed that, like, uh, Harry Osborn was hanging out with poor black kids. I don't know why. But yeah, like, that's the line. Yeah, that's the line. Privileged old Dane DeHaan, white as uh, white as milk. Because nothing, nothing says I hang out with I, I hang out with cool kids mm. from Queens like there, Dane DeHaan. There's also <laughs> the fact that there's also the fact that Great and Goblin and Doc Ock never knew each other's secrets. Um, it's pointed out in this uh, Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire that to- that Toby never told anyone. That Green Goblin was Norman Osborn. He took it to his grave. Yeah. So I, I, how does how does Doc Ock know that he's Norman Osborn when he shows a, up? It's a very unflattering comparison with Into the Spider Verse, which so seamlessly yes said like dispenses exposition and and kind of keeps as you were saying, Darren keeps the threads of of, of these different Spider Man characters uh, moving forwards all the time. Whereas this movie. With its even with this being, it's like unique, not so unique selling point. It just has to grind to a halt in the second act repeatedly to have people go. I what I I I, I saw Spider. He's dead, but how can it be? And what? And he's and it's it's. He says, "You're dead, man. We killed you." <laughs> like over obligatory over. Robocop reference. You're going into the darkness to face a ghost, and yet still, yeah, it it it, it is so kind of corporately sanitized and stuff and yet as i say still no paul giamatti as rhino which is what i wanted i wanted three different versions of like i want three different versions of bruce campbell that's what i want but 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 it's funny to me because sony tried to make the sinister six movie happen for such a long time in so many different various forms and like the amazing spider-man 2 is this extended doomed trailer for that idea (laughs) and then I, I like I like to imagine that some Sony executive sat through the the premiere of this, and they're just kind of like, oh, son of a forgot because it has to be that or somebody turned Paul them down. said no. Like I, yeah. I imagine Paul Giamatti is but much like Phil. Like, like he doesn't know that there imagine. are other Spider-Man. I can't imagine Giamatti would turn him down. Well, here's the thing. Risa Fons and Thomas Hayden Church, I don't think are in this. (laughs) uh, The Lizard is not voiced by Risa Fons. And when he's turned back into Risa Fons, that's archive archive footage from Amazing Spider-Man. And yet still fulfills his contractual obligations. They know where to spend that money, Graham. Like, they, they... 
they know people are going to want to see Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Whereas, yeah, and for some reason, Jamie Foxx. Whereas okay, Reese Evans, they know that they can they can uh, Red Skull that, or it's like people want to see, maybe we'll be excited to see the character. But they don't really care if we get. Except he's his, he's Evans. this one note villain that like just wants to turn everyone into a lizard. But the then, lizard's but thing then, was but, not that he wanted to turn everyone into lizards. Yeah, but, okay, but it's, well, it's, well, it's, well, it's, well, it's, it's it's an MCU movie, so then they get to go. Oh, what are you? Some kind of. Lizard man, yes, yes, I, I clearly am. What is the, I, what's the joke? I can cure you, Max. <laughs> is your cure going to turn me into a lizard? Yes, and it's like, ha! Huh, I see what you did there. Like the lizard is so unimportant. I did like the, I didn't, I didn't realize you could talk until just <laughs> that was funny. That was that was kind of. Yeah. Funny. I was like, are they going to make it that the lizard doesn't talk? Oh, good, he can talk. Oh, it's not Risa Fons. That's a shame. The lizard is so irrelevant that Doctor Strange captures him off screen. Yeah. Like, that's, that's that's like that like well, not listen, a deal. Risa Fons was busy in another film, which we'll talk about later on, which is so much more interesting. So I'm okay. But Risa Fons was like, hey, <laughs> nice. I appreciate it. But like, it, but all this gets back to that thing that we mentioned, which is it's not actually about the object as it existed in the past because I can't use the word thing anymore. Thank you, Andrew. It's about Sorry. it's just about call how it, just call, just call it like a flippity gibbet. It's about how fandom chooses to remember this so the lizard is a crap villain so he gets demoted to comic relief and we joke as luke said about how stupid it is to turn everybody into a lizard oh the amazing spider-man movies were terrible so jamie fox isn't actually going to get back in the makeup chair and play max dylan the actual character that he created like whatever you feel about the amazing spider-man 2 and whatever you feel about that performance it's a performance it's a choice the fox is, is making as an actor whereas here it's just like oh jamie fox was in those movies so it's jamie fox playing jamie fox We're fox gonna have- yeah. in, the, well, in the mcu guess i guess max dylan's body in the mcu is jamie fox's body i there. i thought it was really depressing when they they do that marvel snacky humor about uh dr octavius's name yeah daughter uh, octavius like that's not a funny it's name. a real groaner like well it it, it is it, it is a silly name <laughs> but but, but in a world of Doctor Stephen Strange, Bruce Banner. But I mean, they've they've worn that into the ground about how funny that is. But but it's just the it the idea that I I I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this where teenagers make fun of you. But it, and it feels like no matter what you would have said, they would have made fun of you. <laughs> you know, like in Peep Show where the kids are, are, are abusing Mark and they're like, oh, clean shirt. And Mark's like, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> 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 I just feel like the, the, these movies are supposed to be so reverential of those, those original ones. And yet when, when it's this, then they'll, they'll uh, do something like that. And again, if you compare that to, say, Into the Spider-Verse and how they make such a big deal out of, a similar uh, joke. It's like, do your friends call you Doctor Octopus? It's like, no, my friends call me Liv, but my enemies I call mean, me Doctor. Well, how much coo- How much more interesting would it have been if Liv had shown up and Catherine Hahn is playing her? How cool would that have been? And Shamik Moore, Miles Morales, okay. Okay. <laughs> takes the place of one of them. My head hurt enough as it was. Okay, okay. No, well, just... What I mean is, he, I mean is, she replaces one of the other villains, and he replaces one of the other Spider Men. And I mean, the thing is, it's not like Into the Spider Verse was this niche film. It was. They're already the- making too many movies to please people. 
like, like, like who, 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 like, I watch this and I want another Andrew, movie. You like wouldn't that. be saying that if Spider Ham came in, like Roger. <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, yeah you very much would. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but yeah. like, okay, but the the thing is though, like that that stuff is really frustrating. Like the jokes here really annoy me because they're lamer versions of the same jokes you've already heard. So, like, Luke mentions the, what's your name, Otto Octavius? No, really, what's your name, Otto Octavius? That's, like, the lame version of the Spider-Man 2 joke, which is, guy named Octavius ends up with eight limbs, what are the odds? Which is, like, the good version of that joke, yeah. for example. Or the sequence where, like, Octavius is confronting Strange, and he's like, huh, you must do a lot of birthday parties. And it's like, you made that joke twice in Infinity Wars about how many birthday parties Doctor Strange must attend because he has a cape. And you're just... Well, at the same time, Doctor Strange's best joke was when, you know, Maz Mickelson made that joke. That was the best version of that joke. But, like... like they do that at different times. I did well. like the... I did like the Daredevil joke where it's like, I'm a really good lawyer. Yeah, I did that, like uh, that. It wasn't even like, ah, uh, it's a play on Daredevil. No, it was just a good joke. Well, you, a, will, you like that, will you like that three movies down the line where we're making that same joke again? Um, but okay, uh, to, to bring it to... Sorry, do you want to... I liked Hannibal Burris as well. I don't. Unsurprisingly. I'm really his character. Unsurprisingly. I'm really his character. Um, you didn't, you didn't like his character? There, no, there was, was a nice annoying. sort of like... No, he was annoying. I was very glad he was gone in the second one, but I was annoyed that he was replaced by those other two. And then all three of them are in this one, can so we, it's a nightmare. They're in for a single scene. We, can we use this time to complain about the, the worst joke in the movie, Darren, which we referenced earlier? Okay, go um, for it. Which is the recreation, again, uh, of the something of a scientist myself meme, which is... Did we all collectively facepalm? Well, like, well, well uh, no. Like, and I've, I've seen people online say that they thought that, that was funny, and like, again, that's fine. But I think what I just find so noteworthy about it is, as I said earlier, Willem Dafoe, he's a pro. Like, he's really given out socks in this in this movie. I mean, he's he he is over the top in the same way as he was before. He's entertaining. He's functional. He's emotionally resonant. Like, it's, you really feel for him when he's having the like, struggles with his mind he he basically makes up for the fact that he couldn't kill anyone in toby's films so he kills and, tom and, and willem dafoe is a very funny performer and and he's funny yeah. at this but willem dafoe is a 66 year old man who doesn't use the internet so it's yeah. palpable in that line reading that he has no idea why that's funny <laughs> like he he, uh, he may not even remember that he said that in the original Spider-Man by the way by the way, can, can we pause and acknowledge that like these Marvel Spider-Man movies tend to revolve around men in their 60s pummeling an adorable twink? I, just, I find it amazing just, that this is a superhero franchise. I just imagine what, the conversation on set where, 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 well, he is. But I, I just imagine the conversation. But why? Because he's little, isn't he? Like, anyway. So you, call, you instantly call anyone who's little a twink? Graham, when, when a twink and a larger man yeah, love each other mm-hmm. very much. Go on. <laughs> and they get mm-hmm. certain nerds. I don't want to derail this any more than we already Then have. you shouldn't have said he's a twink. I, Darren said it. Graham, why do you want nobody to be a twink? <laughs> no, no, don't sorry. try to turn this on me. Don't try to turn this on me. This is going to be a great edit, by the way. Um, <laughs> but but I, just, I, just, I just imagine the conversation on set where, where John Watts is trying to explain to Willem Dafoe, well, see, people online, they, do you remember in Spider-Man when you said, you're something of a scientist. I wouldn't have. I was like, no. Okay, well, you, you did. <laughs> you need to say it again. And then sometimes people Photoshop 
different bits into where you say scientists. <laughs> so why is it funny if I say it again now? Well, people will recognize it. Willem Dafoe's like, and that's funny. Is <laughs> I mean, he he says it, but you can tell. They had that conversation for maybe 10, 15 minutes and they didn't get anywhere. I will say as a positive for Willem Dafoe and for the film, Willem Dafoe does his own stunts in this film. And one of my highlights of the film, because I, I, I sound like I hate this film. I don't hate this film, but there's a lot to not like about the film. And I haven't talked about the positives. One of the positives for me is the fight scene in the uh, apartment complex between Peter and some of the uh, Furious Five. I'm never changing that name. Um, and where it's him. Is first... it the bit where he does the where he does the in joke reference to the Amazing Spider-Man PS4 game? No, no, I no, did. Not everything I has did to like... be an in joke. I just liked the fight where him and him and Doc, uh, him and the Green Goblin are literally beating the crap out of each other, slamming each other literally through walls. They are going down floors, um, yeah. like 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 constantly like constantly beating the crap out of each other and Willem Dafoe has got this horrifying grin on his face like saying yeah that's right that's right yeah the other one couldn't do it like you could baby and he's just they're beating the <laughs> out of each other and it's just Willem Dafoe is giving his all you can feel Tom Holland as well it's just like I need to up my game because this guy who is like Luke said in his 60s late 60s mid mid 60s um it's giving his all I have to up my game and this scene I felt the emotional resonance. I felt the betrayal uh, from from Peter, and I felt the rage and the anarchy of Green Goblin. Uh, something that has been sorely missing in the Spider-Man films, uh, because I don't they can be a bit wishy washy with their with his villains because they're never really his villains, are they? None of them are his villains. Um, but I really no, I, like I said, like, none this of was a these highlight for me. None of these are Holland's villains either. These are all imported in from other that's Spider-Man I mean. movies. Yeah. No, but that's what I mean. None yeah. of these are Peter Parker's. Like I, I have a whole thing written about how these are not his villains. These are to- not Tom Holland's villains. Peter is dealing with everyone else's mess. I'll and, agree. And here he self-imposes it on himself. Even I'll agree with Graham that I, I, I was enjoying that fight as well. I thought there was something kind of gritty about the yeah. way kind of the, and not just from, not just in one direction either. Kind of like like a, the Tom Holland kind of like jumps into kind of guard and starts like just wailing. Yeah, on, I mean, Andrew, uh, I think it's Goblin. because it's mainly stunt work. That's why. Yeah, I like I liked as well the physics of the kind of of the bridge. Um, when they're they're on their way to kind of like um the the examination person the the is on her way to to, to the Queens. I, I liked the all 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 of that. The Statue of Liberty um whole fight scene kind of left me very cold. It was terrible. It's it's yeah visually it incoherent. Bad. And and you can you can again you can see the struggle they have to tell this in a visually interesting way because usually yeah. in an action scene you have clear goals that the participants right. are trying to and, and, and in that earlier scene when they're fighting through the building it is clear what everyone is trying to do trying to get Whereas, at me out in the building and stuff like that yeah. because this one is so vague and so wishy-washy and so just give them the good guy juice it, you have to have Tom Holland say Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this, 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 and this. And it's not to explain what's happening, but to give the impression that something's happening. Right. 
so, like he says, oh, like, we got to work in teams and we got to take them one at a time and blah, blah, blah. But if he didn't say that, I don't know that you would be able to pinpoint that that's how they beat the baddie. Yeah. You know? And it's very different to Into the Spider-Verse. It's very di- like Into the Spider-Verse is very coherent with that sort of stuff. Like it shows and it's, you. It's, it's because it's been done like be- probably before they even definitely had Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield on board. It's all been, you know, kind of storyboarded. Yeah, fast, so. I mean that's the that's the MCU model: storyboard it out and then build the story from the storyboard. And it, it's just poor direction. I mean, because it's not really direction. Second unit story. I, I, I was talking about like where where he's trying to save the um, the admissions um, officer to admissions uh, officer MIT. from from MIT. But he didn't go to like Doctor Strange and say like, "Do you have any CAO spell?" <laughs> like where you could just have a central admissions office and they don't know who I am and it's entirely based on points. <laughs> um, but could, uh, would 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 is that something we can but do? To bring it back to something Luke said there, which I think is very interesting, because I think Luke made the point that this is a movie that very forcibly tries to recreate meme magic. Uh, I think you described it as the most strained attempt to recreate meme magic uh, since the Juggernaut uh, in X Men Three. Where, like, so much of this movie is memes. Like, as you mentioned there, it's the I'm something of a scientist myself, the power of the sun in the palm of my hands, the fact that, like, you have a moment where what Tom Holland describes as the Raimi cam is done, where the camera's, like, from Tom Holland's perspective for all of three seconds. You have the the fight sequence where he does the move from the PS4 Spider-Man game. You have sequences like the pointing Spider-Man, which they do not once, but twice. They do the pointing Spider-Man in the lab when uh, Ned asks for Peter, and they oh, all yeah. go, hey, Peter, 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 and they all point at each other. And then they do it at the climax where they're arguing over which one is Peter 2 and which one's Peter 3. And, like, all of this stuff feels like it's just, again, content, algorithmic content generation in a way that I don't... Maybe I feel old. Maybe I'm too old for movies. Maybe, but, 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 but Into the Spider-Verse did all that a lot. And it was, like, really fun yeah. and funny and entertaining. It's not about doing it. It's all about how you do it and, and why it's you do it. the execution. True believers should, should listen to us be much more enthusiastic. <laughs> about Spider-Man I mean, like, it's just, it's just, like... The, the really saddening thing is I listened back to our podcast and just the enthusiasm coming off but that film to, was really infectious. To, to, to use <laughs> that uh, comparison to, to, to wrestling again, like wrestling is a performance art of a sort uh, that it, it uses what they would call spots to tell a story. And it's all about how you kind of thread those together. And even before they're, they're they're performing in the ring, you have all these different spots that the audience expects and reacts to. So you have the entrance is a spot, you know, and Stone Cold comes out to the, the shattered glass, it's a spot, the pose on the ramp, the catchphrases, all of that. But you have to have stuff in between that 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 ties it all together. And at the peak of, of, of wrestling's popularity in the, the late 90s you had a massive audience that was really excited and really willing to spend all their money on this stuff. But they were really only interested in the catchphrases and the entrances and maybe the endings. Is this the Attitude (laughs) Era? Would this be the Attitude Era? Or am I out of touch? Yeah, the stuff that got them... Yeah, yeah, the stuff that got them really excited. Do you have a a pack? But not so interested in whether a coherent story was being told. And 
it's fun when Andrew Garfield comes out, you know? It's it's funny when they do bits that you recognize and stuff in this. But when you take this whole thing together, the story is just very incoherent and unsatisfying. And if that's the road that they continue going down with these movies, I think that eventually people will drop off, whether they realize it or not. Because if somebody's contract runs out and like, oh, I like that person, and then they're not around anymore. Or if the same jokes are used over and over again and people get tired of them. Or if people just find increasingly, just through volume, that they're not as interested as they were before. You're going you're gonna to have wished that you actually bothered to tell good stories <laughs> while you had I these th- people. I think, sadly, that it won't ever come to that because of the level of fan pressure, Twitter pressure, whatever you have it, because of what uh, studios like Sony and to a much greater degree MCU have done to the fans and how they build them up into such a fervor that people were like, like, like you saw it in your, you see, we talked about it earlier. Andrew Garfield was getting it asked nonstop over the course of the last year when he was promoting Tick Tick Boom. Every time you went on two AM a late night TV show, it was brought up, um, and he was he was getting progressively more and more annoyed. I don't think this is. I would I would actually like that to happen because I think a little bit of a little bit of humbling would maybe help would help them. But it's not. I mean, especially with the fact that if this wasn't, if we weren't in the middle of COVID, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, and sadly we still are, um, I, I'd be, I'm a little bit, not, not terrified, but I would be fascinated to know what the numbers would be for this film. Would this have beaten Endgame? Would this be the biggest movie it of all would, time? Because people are saying that, and this is, again, because I, I see, you know, you know yourselves, Twitter's a it's a very particular kind of mindset for each individual person. Um, you're seeing the same people all the time. I'm seeing a lot of American critics saying it's better than Endgame. It's like, it's the best MCU film of all time. Um, and it's like, it's not. It's it's emotionally shallow. It hits at the peak points when it needs to. And then at the end of it, you're just kind of... Even even I even I fell a bit I fell a bit prey to it because at the end of it I was just like okay cool he's finally Spider Man I actually want to see what happens next well that's and in that's, my head that, I had to ca- the... I had to catch myself going so they get you crap they yeah. got me <laughs> that's the <laughs> dollar you're chasing the dollar just, bill people are just in the mood for you know yeah, escapism shallow, I, I, I don't mean shallow I, 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 simple, no just escapist escapist entertainment which is fair quite understandable you plug your other podcast there. <laughs> I don't get to plug my other podcast, that's fair. And I guess kind of relating to that, and again, maybe this is just something I experienced by virtue of being very online, and I think it's part of what kind of Luke said there about the whole kayfabe aspect of it, but it's the weird corporate fandom thing of all this, where you have this idea that you're no longer a fan of the character, you're no longer a fan of the creators or the writers or the artists, you are instead a fan of the company that produces the content. I mean, uh, again, I'm I'm online, I'm hearing from people who are, you know, reporting that there are cheers when the Marvel logo shows up on screen and boos when the Sony logo shows up on screen. And I'm getting people showing up on my mentions in Twitter yelling at me about how, you know, this movie wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Marvel Studios. And it's wrong to credit Sony for any of the success of this movie, despite all the intellectual property or most of the like, you know, prime and exciting intellectual property originating in Sony films. 
And I find myself weirdly disheartened by that. Like, I, yeah. you know, I'm naive enough that I'm like, I can see why you love Spider-Man and why people love Spider-Man movies. I'm, you know, I like the idea of, well, an artist does stuff that I'm interested in, so I will follow them. I like James Gunn, therefore I will probably like The Suicide Squad. You know, I like Guillermo del Toro, I will probably like Nightmare Alley. I I find myself weirdly disheartened when it gets to the stage of, no, we're invested in Marvel Studios. We're invested in this giant conglomerate owned by Disney, and we are so invested in their success that anything that runs counter to that narrative must be struck down, challenged, confronted. Um, And I, I find it really frustrating and depressing and kind of soul destroying that like this is where we are as a culture i guess this ties back to that thing where it's like is this the future of movies that i kind of reference at the start and i guess this is that's the thing that has me feeling really sad about all this and i mean i say that thinking that like look if you enjoy this that's fantastic the world needs more joy whatever makes you happy but i don't know anyway that's I mean, like, that's I my how, two cents like, on how it how do you but, feel about, about it Bruce? um I think some of the problems from it stem from, like, yes, you had Andrew and Toby, and that was great, but they had no actual meaningful interactions with their own villains, which would have been a key point. I kept waiting for something. Like, yes, you've got all these people back from the same films. There's got to be, there's history, there's, there's going to be something. No, oh, no, okay. I, I, I not, did not like, at all. No. I, I did like Jamie Foxx being disappointed that Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Almost, would have, been, pretty almost funny. would have been even funnier if, I don't know, Miles had been the Spider-Man but to show that, up. That, that, like, no. hey, a Spider-Man is black. Cool. Okay, that pisses, that really pisses me off because you have that little moment that way. And then you can tell, like, being honest, it means something to the actors. Like, I think it matters to Garfield if you read interviews with him. Like, Garfield's talked about how he wants his MJ uh, to be Michael B. Jordan, which I would yeah. totally be on board with. Um, but like he, you know, you can tell, you can tell that it matters to the actors that they're doing this. And there's the moment where he says, you know, maybe there's got to be a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. And it's like, yeah, someday. And it's like very touching until you realize, like you can hear the meetings taking place in the back of your brain where Sony executives are crunching the numbers and they're saying, well, look, if we do that, then we run the risk of aggravating the right. We're going to get like campaigns against us about how this is a woke movie. We're going to see like outrage campaigns. We're going to see like it's not going to play as well in these markets. So like, I mean, we'd have to cast the role. So what if we just reference it and that's enough and like that's just easier and we get to have the best of both worlds? I'm sure that they did have those discussions but like when went into the spider first came out people didn't care i, I know that's animated and people would feel differently possibly about it being in live action they it's all about it it's all about how you do it you know i suppose that's also, that's we, the argument to be made to them that's, yeah not, not, also shamik moore can easily play a live action oh yeah no no absolutely yeah, he looks the part. you could have him as a grown-up miles but like that, that's that's the thing is that like and that i guess is what really bothers me about this movie is that like as strange points out there's an infinite number of universes every possibility every permutation every idea that you could imagine is out there in the multiverse there's an infinite array of people who know the peter parker spider-man who could be coming through and it is all people we have seen before it's all things that you as an audience member 
already recognised from the things that you like, and there's no new ground being broken, and there's not even any fun possibilities there. Like, I would love to see Leonardo DiCaprio playing James Cameron's Spider-Man. I would love to yeah. see the Turn Off the Dark Spider-Man show up. I would love, like, I would love to see something, like, actually creative and interesting and weird. And You're right, Derek. They should have had Indian? Turkish Spider-Man, but they didn't. <laughs> Japanese Spider-Man. What about, ja- what about Japanese what about Spider-Man? Bollywood. Who has a, fu- who has a Zord? But like Hollywood Spider-Man, Italian Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, but they're, they're, I mean, it's just we were never gonna get any of that. No, no. no but we here's weren't. the thing: you could have, no. you could have, you could have had. And the thing, the thing is, Spider-Verse has already Uyghur Spider-Man so, <laughs> so, uh, into the Spider-Verse has already walked, so that this could have run. We could have had a different. We could have had all of these cat villains, but it's different versions. So Peter, Peter, all three Peters think they know how to deal with these characters because oh, we faked the them before. But they're different versions with different kind of weaknesses and different kind of relationships to to these Spider Men because maybe like th- that could have been it. That sounds like an awful lot of plot. Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't. You know, <laughs> you I know don't what? know, Graham. Yeah, well, That's well, a bit here's much. The, here's the thing that like we haven't talked about, and I mean we're, we're coming up to two hour mark, and we haven't talked about this. So the big, the big, the big selling point of this film was, oh no, Peter's life is turned upside down because the whole world thinks he killed Mysterio. How quickly does the film deal with that plot before wiping, you know, know, brushing it under the rug and going, you're fixed, Peter. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 minutes uh, off screen with um, Charlie Cox. And you don't have to deal with the ramifications of potentially killing someone, having a drone system that could have definitely killed the whole world. And we never go back to it. He's a really good lawyer, Graham. Yeah, he's a, he he's a great a lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. He's a great lawyer. And he works on commission. He works on a very low commission. But the point is, it was that was the, that was the supposed emotional crux of the film. Peter's um, thing is out now. And what happens? Nothing. I people mean, people find out. Nobody cared about the thing on its initial book. release, Graham. He, um, you know, I mean, it took years for people to this, appreciate the or, thing. Um, the Spider-Man suit didn't fit. Like, <laughs> you must have quit. But it's it's another it's another consequence of retrofitting the yeah, Spider Man mythos into into this kind of MCU because identity is such a key part of so many superhero stories and so many er, pre MCU superhero movies where it's really not that important to the MCU at all. It never has yeah. been ever ever since the, I the am first Iron Man, Man movie. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's it's everyone, it's much more everyone, about no one has a secret identity. Yeah, it's the power no. fantasy. It's like why would why would you hide? Why would you hide how brilliant you are and how powerful you are and how much you deserve yeah, the love of that's people? That's what makes this movie interesting. Maybe is that it's confronting the kind of fantasy of fame. I think so. Yeah, like up front and straight it away doesn't, doesn't deal with it in any meaningful fashion. It doesn't deal with it in any meaningful fashion because it's what. It's it's brushed under the rug, and then Peter's whole journey for the rest of the film is having to fight supervillains from another universe. What? He doesn't actually have to deal with the fallout of that, except for maybe having to worry about MIT, which turns out he doesn't because he's a good person, highly intelligent, and then that's like dealt with once you know. I love that this is a movie about how three kids deserve to go to MIT enough to break the universe um, yeah. at its core. Um, Peter Parker, working class hero through and through, but like mm-hmm. I. Oh, okay. um, no, it's just that um, 
gone blank now for a second. (laughs) Yeah, that happens. I will get back to you in a second. I like the opening segment of the movie, and I think it's the part where, like, John Watts as a director actually works, because Watts is a director who came up through indie cinema. He did a short called Clown. Um, He did kind of, and then developed that into a movie. And then he did Cop Car, which is a movie about how a bunch of kids steal a cop car with a body in the trunk and Kevin Bacon tries to kill them. And it's this low-budget kind of indie movie. And, like, I think that, like, he works best with this stuff when he's doing the low-budget indie stuff. So things like the shots of Peter and MJ swinging through New York in intense close-up with a wind machine. And it's a handheld camera and it's shaking and she's screaming and it feels really intimate. Or shots like the bit where Peter lands in the apartment and you get this really long one where the camera follows like Happy and follows him as he's kind of flailing around. You have this kind of dance routine where like MJ like moves the shirt over his underwear and all this sort of stuff. It's all very carefully choreographed. He's pulling down the windows, the camera's ducking and diving. And it all feels a bit kind of like stereotypical American Sundance indie, but it works because I'm not used to seeing a superhero movie like that. And then at the 15 minute mark, it just kind of stops and becomes this generic visual soup, which I find really unheartening and kind of really depressing which is a, which is a shame um because I, I do like that opening segment and to answer graham's question i suspect what happens is that somebody came up with the idea of just having a bunch of spider-man characters in this movie uh from existing sony properties i wonder yeah, I, I know i mean i know the answer i know the answer i wonder if they didn't look at the success of into the spider-verse and say what if that but with three white guys and go, yeah, that's that's a several billion dollar movie idea right there. I mean, I don't want to say that because I, I like Toby, I like Andrew, and I think I like Tom. Um, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, Spider Into the Spider-Verse broke so much ground on so many kind of levels. Um, and then this just feels like, this, this feels like the weird... Um, overproduced, over-directed, over-budgeted... Uh, canon ripoff almost if that's possible and i i know it's just even though they're like the thing is i speak about this um uh, like so negatively i did enjoy this and i did like i did i didn't whoop because i don't i don't i don't whoop um i don't whoop during films um i did i did like certain key moments in it but they were moments and there was a lot of noise around those moments that kind of just just kind of the more I think about it, the more it kind of just annoys me. Well, you know what boundaries like Into the Spider-Verse didn't break? Box office boundaries. It, it made $375 million, which is less than this film made in its opening weekend, um, which is, I suspect, uh, like a key, big key factor here. Um, there's some stuff I want to talk about just in general, but anything with the movie itself, anything you want to say about the movie, any scenes, any characters, any beats? Oh, um, oh yeah. I remembered what I was going to say. Um, to come back to your point earlier about secret identities in this, um, it's a very interesting thing that goes back to the divorce scenario of the Avengers have kind of taught him it doesn't really matter. And then Sp- the Spider-Men come in and go, it matters. Like there's even a literal scene where they're both, oh no, keeping your secret identity is extremely important. And they both mimic each other over it. And it's just like, they're kind of, it, it's almost like we're trying to like reset him into Spider-Man and the important things that he needs to know. <laughs> Here, here's the Sony Pictures board. You're going to need to remember these <laughs> names and these faces. Yeah, it is almost like, hey, you should really keep your secret identity secret because, like, people will jump on that. <laughs> like, and see how those Avengers got you into trouble? 
Mm. Yeah, where that? Where See? are they? Now? Where are they now? Most of them are dead. That's where. Not here helping no. you. No. Yeah. Also, that's a weird thing that's kind of become a thing of Phase Four uh, that I've noticed. There is no superhero support. Peter got no like like no one help no one helps out anyone Do- in the MCU Phase Do- Four. Doctor Strange <laughs> tore a hole Do- in the universe to help him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But then he like. That was to help on college applications. He, he was, he was, <laughs> if anything, a little too willing. I mean, if you think about like Winter Soldier and the Falcon money, I, I always got to wonder if it was going to turn out that it was not Doctor Strange, and maybe it was going to be Mephisto, or it was <laughs> going to be Doctor. Uh, the rumor was that it was Supreme, uh, Supreme Strange. You know, so, the yeah. evil What If Doctor Strange that mm-hmm. had been shown in What If well, that it had been him all along, but he's apparently going to now be in. Multiverse of Madness. That yeah, the trailer shows him. And like even 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 the trailer for for this movie, it plays a bit of trickery where it's like Wong yeah. is telling him not to do it, and he's like, "Oh, I won't." And then he winks. Yes. Whereas yeah, when you see it in the actual movie, it's just like, "Oh no, but I am gonna do it." Like yeah, it, just it, let it, him do it. Just just don't <laughs> get me involved. Well, like I mean, Holland has suggested that like they had multiple levels of discussion about how many spoilers they would let out into the market, and one of the first suggestions was to cut trailers to make it look like it was going to be Spider Man versus Doctor Strange Civil War, Steve Ditko Civil War. That was uh, smart, but like so that was apparently the decision at play there, Luke. I love that we can well, explain all yeah. these through market forces, and where where the um, where Peter. Doctor Strange reveals Peter Parker's identity, and then Peter Parker tells everyone that there was an episode of Equalizer filmed <laughs> in the and then everyone's outside his house saying, "Like we want to see, kind of, can we have a tour, yeah. um, etc." All right, so any- you can imagine how the movie would go. Yeah, you can just piece it together. All the pieces writes itself. It does. So, anything else you want to talk about with regards to anything from the movie? Any scenes? Any characters? Uh, any beats? Uh, Zendaya, I thought they kind of they really waste. A lot they waste the in cast this trilogy. Yeah. Zendaya is MJ. Zendaya is like I think she's she's pretty she's a pretty talented actress. I think she obviously works really well with Tom Holland, and they set this movie up to be like their relationship is significant and we're going to explore it, and then they they don't because they, they don't. have to have a lot of like MCU stuff instead. Chinese people I mean, don't like it, sex, and it, so <laughs> you, you have to take it out of the movie for the Chinese market. But it, but well, it, that's not true. It it takes away from the pathos that they're then trying to present at the end, because you have she's going to forget, or she has forgotten about everything we've gone through together. And it's like, well, what? What did, what did you go through together? You know? I, mean, I mean, there's also if you like, if you spend three movies being like, "Oh, we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that again." Again, eventually, you find that you've never actually gone anywhere. You know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's very much like it, I've never thought their 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 relationship was particularly convincing in these films. Um, for the main reasons, she's not an entity for him as a partner in the first film. She's more like a, a weird kind of side character that just pops in every now and then. And, and, and even that um, is just for the reveal at the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Her and name is the MJ. Second, yeah. one, second one, for some reason, the intervening time between the first and the second one, he fancies her now. And it's never really it's, explained why. And then the third one... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying she's not. She's funny, she's is, smart, it's never, you know? Yeah, and therefore never, she has value, never, Luke. And you know, he's a twink. I I feel like she would really take charge. 
you know, I think that's what that's what Twink Twink. Anyway, sorry, sorry before. to cut you off there, Graham. Sorry, Graham. We, we, we derailed you. <laughs> that's grand. It's grand. I I actually don't want to go. It's just okay. This film. All right. This film just. This, I'm just I'm just excited for the next film I see. We all know what we're seeing tomorrow. Um, it's, uh, that is Matrix like... Resurrections. Um, but but what I will what I will say Resurrections Resurrections. Um, but what I will say is that like the thing like Kirsten Dunst said she would happily have been in this movie. It's and and they were like no, which I find interesting as well. Anyway, but there would have uh, been a lovely epilogue that... between her and and Peter. Yeah, that would have been. But maybe there's an epilogue. For, why didn't we but, get an epilogue for all the Peters? But then he would have been married, and he would have been old. And Marvel doesn't like the idea uh, of Peter Parker being married and old. It makes him seem uncool. But uh, he's not the Peter we're following anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> They should tell Gwyneth Paltrow she's in this. Movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, did you see that? She'll never know. She'll never know she was in that. Do you know what a do you know what a Hawkeye is, Gwyneth? No. What is that? A bird. Uh, all right. Um. And then yeah. So I guess nothing really that much to talk about aside from the fact that yeah, this is a movie that like when movies are struggling right now, when movies are failing to like you know you're hearing news report have flop after flop after flop. West Side Story is dead in the water. Nightmare Alley yeah. is dead in the water. Um, House of Gucci might eke its way to something resembling profitability. The Last Jewel is dead in the water. Like, and even like the the Marvel movies during Darren, the pandemic. Can I ask, is Nightmare Alley out here? No, it won't be out here until February. Um, it's quite good. But um, like so like, and even the previous Marvel movies have always had an asterisk against them. So like the movies released during the pandemic, so Black Widow, Shang Chi, um, and obviously the Eternals. By the way. Notable that the movie is led by a woman, a man of Asian extraction, and a diverse cast did not make the 250, but this movie is number eight on the 250. Uh, I never thought I'd but, say it, but I actually would have enjoyed yeah. watching Eternals again over this. People love Spider-Man. That's that, fair. That's what I mean, or it's, 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 it's really got nothing to do with the quality of the films themselves and more to do with how excited people are to see, to see Spider-Man. And this one has three of them. Yeah, so three th- it is what it is. But yeah, um, so I don't know. I just, I, I do kind of find myself wondering, like, when we come out of the pandemic, will it just be Spider-Man movies all of the time? Um, that's, that's... I mean, I that's feel like, I, like uh, again, because we, I was listening to the podcast, there's a there's a question that we all started off with in the um, Into the Spider-Verse film. It's a funny question just to ask now. Are we Spider-Man out? Are we like are we Spider Man out now? Well, this? I don't, I only just met Spider Man in this. Oh, well, wow! So you know, I mean, I I finally got to see Spider Man in the MCU, so it's like it's nice to meet him. Mm-hmm. I I personally don't find Tom Holland compelling at all. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I like Tom Holland. I like, like Tom he's, Holland. He's, he's likable, but I'm 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 kind of I um I don't kind of. I don't buy some of the kind of, any no no like sorry I'm I'm not gonna um you know uh, piss in his cereal that's I, I'm sure he doesn't care anyway uh, but, I'm about to have cereal yes oh god um but um you much prefer his cooler edgier counterpart Bob uh, Neverlands Bob Neverlands <laughs> sorry um no like I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not especially excited um really I am. The end of the film was actually quite touching. I actually quite liked the end of it. I kind of felt like the whole origin trilogy faffed around a lot, but we got there in the end, you know. Maybe if each film was an hour and a half instead of two and a half hours. 
I will say that I was excited to go see a movie, and I was excited watching Aww. trailers for other movies. That is nice. That, that is, is always fun. Yeah. I missed, the, I missed the, the trailers for mine. It was very sad. Oh, like I think yeah, it was no. like Mobius, Yay! Sonic Two, a film I am infinitely more excited about. Listeners cannot um, see Luke's face. Um, the Batman. <laughs> it's not because of Jared Leto. It's because of the character and where he's oh, situated. When 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 people kind of, and I think people can be overly histrionic about this but when they talk about uh, spider-man as being this like death cinema <laughs> thing, uh, i think that they're forgetting that things like morbius exist so like cinema is long dead like, it's, 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 it's not peter parker's fault i mean you you say that luke but i mean we we all wrote off venom and then let there be carnage came out and like single-handedly saved cinema venom didn't have jared leto in it though. Fair, fair point um all right, then. Anything else we're talking about? Anything we haven't discussed already with this movie? Anything jumping out at anybody? Any notes? Any comments? Um, I think it's depressing when you see, again, to your point, Darren, about just mining the nostalgia. Uh, for John Watts to have had that kind of indie career and then to be fast-tracked so quickly into this massive mega blockbuster filmmaking. And now jumping to the Fantastic Four which, as well. Which we see as such a common thing now. But I think it actually denies directors the opportunity to develop and you see a lot of this movie is really badly directed. And I'll be interested to see the upcoming Doctor Strange, which is directed by Sam Raimi, mm. and how much it actually is going to look like a Sam Raimi movie. I don't think the clips that they show at the end of this necessarily give me... They, don't, they didn't look like Sam Raimi's usual stuff. And when you see in this movie them try to recreate Scott Derrickson's work on Doctor Strange or, or with the Raimi camp or with, with, with Raimi particularly where, where where they're doing the Willem Dafoe talks to the mask, the mask stuff that's that's such a that, that works so perfectly in sync with Sam Raimi's visual style and when you see them here go oh yeah we can do that as well it's like we really can't like it's just it's not as fun to watch because it's 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 this kind of Tossed out there, and it's less, less fun to look It comes at. off more as Madman in the Street rather than mm. yeah, epic supervillain. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much they let Sam Raimi actually be Sam Raimi yeah. in Doctor Strange. I'm excited for a too. Sam Raimi directed Benedict Cumberbatch because I think seeing Sorcerer Supreme, sorry, Strange Supreme, the evil Doctor Strange, I think could be really crazy. Could be really cool. <laughs> It was gas to see them go back to going. My reasoning behind it, and this is interesting. This again goes to the Marvel machine. I think the reason they did that was because um, the first time that ever happened was Avengers. When at the end of Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, they showed a trailer to um, Avengers. Uh, because that was the big, the big surprise. That was the big intense, like, oh my God, Avengers is coming. I think they're doing the same thing with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because they're like, okay, this is where things will change. Things are going to drastically change. And I think that's what they're going to the same the, model. The illusion of they've, change. They've, they've really got you. They're, they're just going to keep telling you that. Bre- this is going to fascinate you all. Breed <laughs> says the same thing about me because she worries about me every time I get excited about something. Um, like... I, I don't get, get too excited. I, I, I'm overly excited. I, I get really excited for these things. I got the same thing for Wheel of Time, uh, Witcher, all that, and I, it's the reason because 
if you're not if you're not excited for something coming up and you're not optimistic then you're always going to be disappointed and you're always going to be sad in that. And it's I don't know what weird, it's I'm really trying to tell you exactly. the film. During um, Zendaya's line about which is actually a phrase I used very I use very often in my day-to-day oh. life. Um I not, literally not anything with me. I literally turned to Graham and was like, eh? Yeah. It's just, it's just it's so I, funny just, though because the movie ends up agreeing with this. Oh, no! Oh, I try to li- oh. lower his expectations about things, but, but I, his I natural, charges. natural optimism bubbles up. An evil Doctor what, what, Strange. What you, what you have in No Way Home is basically a version of It's a Wonderful Life, where the movie tells you that yeah, people would have been better off. <laughs> 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 they never knew you. Yeah, yeah. You see Doctor Strange fly by. Bye, Peter. They probably in the universe where Zendaya doesn't know who Spider Man is. I bet that donut shop has a. I bet you. Well, she's but like the, the Zendaya's working at a library. The universe is what she, she always wanted. <laughs> the universe where she doesn't know anything about Peter Parker oh, is the Dune universe. And to unify the kind of points that I think that both Luke and kind of Graham were making there about like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and the fact that it's a literal trailer at the end rather than kind of a a spoiler or a peak thing. I think like Graham's right when he says that Marvel want this to be an event like the Avengers, mm-hmm. and you're already seeing leaks coming out this. This weekend about how it will feature appearances uh, from like Ian Griffith as Mr. Fantastic or uh, Magneto, you know, played by Ian McKellen, possibly, or Michael Fassbender and how all this is on the cards. Jesus. And I think that, you know, Graham's right that they want this to be the next Avengers because like Marvel has done reasonably well in the middle of the pandemic with releases like Black Widow, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Eternals, all grossing over $400 million worldwide, which is a lot of money, particularly in the middle of the pandemic that we're in. But I think there is a bit of scrutiny towards them when you look at something like this performing to the level that this has. Marvel need to have a movie coming out next year that performs, again, roughly on par with this or equivalent to this. Um, And like, I think that that's maybe why we're seeing such a big push for Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, because it's very much seen as being this kind of movie. And again, to, to kind of bring it back to, I think Luke mentioned there, like the absurdity of seeing Sam Raimi direct this and whether or not like Multiverse of Madness will look like a Sam Raimi film. I don't think that it will. But I also think that, you know, I mean, it's very revealing that when we want nostalgia, audiences will happily watch Tobey Maguire pop up here and phone in his performance looking like a cool youth pastor. But they won't want a Sam Raimi version of Spider-Man 4 because that's not produced by Disney. Uh, It's not produced by Marvel. It doesn't have the stamp of approval. And it might also be weird and uncomfortable and unusual in a way that simple nostalgia isn't. It's it's like Andrew Garfield here, where fans hated his two amazing Spider-Man movies, but they'll happily lap up his appearance here because, well, hey, it's not actually an amazing Spider-Man movie. And it's really depressing that, like, when you have nostalgia for things like Tim Burton's Batman, the response isn't to say okay let's get Tim Burton and Michael Keaton back and give them a 200 million dollar budget and let them make whatever movie they want it's instead to say no we'll take Michael Keaton's Batman and we'll take him out of all the weird context of like the horniness of Batman and Batman Returns the oddness the eccentricity and we'll just put him in a Flashpoint movie so you can be reminded of what this character looked like without actually like getting any of the substance of it it is I don't know it's very depressing 
Very, very depressing. And that that's kind of what I find myself when I say I worry about the future of cinema. It's it's those two fears right there. It's the box office performance of this, the fact that like this is going to be the template for how we make movies like this going forward, and the fact that like nostalgia is no longer like give creators creative freedom and a big budget and hope that they make something interesting. It's just create algorithmically generated content that isn't at all challenging, controversial, and won't alienate the fans. And, well, here we are. Were you about to say what we normally do about this time is we give recommendations of movies? Yes! That's right. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, like, in that fun, there's something that really bugs me because it's the one Easter egg cameo I can't figure out. And at the end, there's a moment where Zendaya pours coffee for an old man. And because my brain has been so broken by the Marvel machine... That's exactly it. My brain is so broken by the Marvel machine and I know how these shots work and I know how these things are framed and I know how these scenes come together. I'm like, that old man has to be somebody important. And I've Googled every major writer or artist over like the history of Spider-Man and it's not, you know, Roger Stern. It's, It's not Roy Thomas. Do does anybody know who that old man is? Is he is any? Dre, is it J. Michael Straczynski? No, it's not J. Michael Straczynski. That would make sense given that the entire trilogy is based off J. Michael Straczynski's work. I do love yeah, by the one of, uh, oh, yeah. I do love that uh, by the way. This gives a special thanks to J. Michael Straczynski for writing a comic he didn't want to write, tried to get his name taken off of, and later forced him to quit writing comics altogether. Wait, um, one one more day he didn't yeah, want to write. Yeah, he. Oh, yeah. Okay, who was it, Darren? Just better. tell us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Touch? No, I'm asking who you if asking if you guys know I, that's been bothering no. me okay that is fair why would you say no is someone I yeah. have no got idea somebody who, who looked a bit it's like Stan Lee. Okay. I don't know maybe, maybe don't do so much into it's, something it's someone it's, it's no one it's, it's an I'm with man. Darren on this I'm with Darren God. Maybe it was Steve Ditko. Are we already in the nobody, multiverse of madness? Nobody knew. Nobody knew that it was Steve Ditko. It'll be revealed in a later film. It'll be Jack Kirby stuck in this crucial. nightmare of a world. Oh, all right. No, Steve Ditko is dead. All right. So what we normally do at this point in the podcast is we ask our guests to give recommendations to recommend something they are enjoying at the moment. It can be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie. This is coming out near Christmas, so feel free to recommend something Christmassy as well. So to give Luke, Breed, and Graham a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. And I did all that without a prompt. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love that Andrew's like, just wind uh, him up and he'll just go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll recommend something that it, um, reasonably Christmassy. Um, it's a whiskey that you uh, people can enjoy responsibly. It's a teeling small batch. It's in rum casks. I'm not being paid to promote it. But I find it goes very well at this time of year because it's a kind of like a spicy. Where'd you it, get it? It might go well in the cake, but um, uh, have some yourself. Where'd you get um, it, Andrew? It tastes very Christmassy to me. Um, uh, but on, only, only, only. In moderation. If, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah where can precisely. we find this? What? Where can we find where it? Can we, where can we find oh, yeah, it? Like, you can find it in most off licenses. Tesco, stocks it. You'll find it in O'Brien's. I, I know I've gotten it there before. Um, and I also recommend there's somebody in this movie, um, Arian uh, Moyad. Yes. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing uh, that. Yes, I know yeah, why I know. you're here. Um, I know why you're Oddly, I was reading earlier this morning about his morning routine. Um, that I don't took know, a swerve. Was, okay. That is was I was looking up my eyad because I figured kind of um, 
I the um. I have no idea actually why why why. <laughs> um, <and laughs> I love that you walked into this, but you're committed. It's like I didn't have to share that I was I, googling just this guy. Him or I really like Succession, and I think he's very good. So you Succession. thought you'd stalk one of the cast members. So I I I'd like to recommend Succession. Yeah. Sorry, um, what was the bit about his morning? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I I want to know. There was a whole thing. No, we don't want to. No, I want to know. I want like what he has coffee and tea. He has like oh, a, oh, a, yes. an a, a, a Iranian oh, no. samovar. He recommended no. some music as well that I've been listening to. No. I, I, th- I, th- no. I think it was it was on um, one of these websites like the uh, I'll tell you now, valemag.com. That sounds like the kind of thing where you they drink tea and coffee. do a lot of morning routine stuff. I like reading about what people do in the morning. It seems like a pretty routine interview if you ask me. Yes. Thank you. Um, all right, so Graham, what would you recommend for this? What are you enjoying at the moment? Uh, I'm enjoying a lot of fantasy. Uh, the Witcher, uh, season two. Uh, the Wheel of Time, season one. Uh, by the time this comes out, um, the final episode will be two days away. Um, of Keep in mind one. you're being very um, optimistic about me editing this. But yes. You it- said Wednesday in the tweet. I saw it. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I am reading a ton of comic books right now. Uh, Transform, uh, IDW's Transformers, Lost Light. Um, I'm also reading. I'm waiting for the Immortal Hulk final volume to come out. Um, I got uh, on Darren's uh, recommendation. I got House of X, Dawn of X, uh, Swords of X. Uh, anything that has anything to do with X Men and um, Jonathan Hickman. John, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I, I I miss the X-Men. The more I watch these MCU, the more I'm like, I really want to see well, some X-Men. Well, the climax of this has like the fight from X-Men, the original X-Men movie where they're fighting in the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah, I suppose it does. I did think that today. Which feels then, very, again, also, back to the screw you Marvel yeah. thing. But anyway. And also funny, a funny kind of thought, actually, I'm watching uh, Legion with Breed right now. Mm-hmm. And we are like, it is, we're in season two. I think we're almost finished with season two. And it is a, it is a fascinating nightmare uh, because that show is just so interesting, so well written, so well acted and deals with power and what it can do to a person in the most fascinating way I've ever seen. Um, like, I mean, uh, Dan Stevens is an absolute delight. In it. He's, he's absolutely brilliant in it. The whole cast is uh, Jermaine Clement is absolutely brilliant. Audrey, Pla- Audrey Plaza is just really uh, firing on all cylinders. Um, the guy who plays the Shadow King, I don't know the actor's name, unfortunately. Uh, he's also like so fascinating how he, uh, his whole diction and everything. Uh, anime, um, still watching One Piece. We saw it down on it a little bit. And then uh, I'll be getting to Dresden again soon. I finished the second book. I'm going to be going on to the third book soon. And I'm playing Final Fantasy fourteen Endwalker, which I recommend recommend to no one because I don't want anyone in the queue ahead of me because there's so many people playing it and I don't want any more people in front of me. And so nobody played it. 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 <laughs> and then Doom. I got Doom Eternal and it's so much fun. And that's it. All right, and Breed, what are you enjoying at the moment? What would you recommend? Uh, several of the same things. Uh, in particular, I guess two fantasy series that are based on book series that I've read um, and the weirdly different take I have on both Wheel of Time I first read like over two decades ago Witcher is a more new read for me 
Um, and I'm into it because of the series. I think there's no because oh, you pl- you playing the game, and oh. I was like, this world looks interesting. Mm. But um, both seasons have come out recently, and both have been hit with a similar backlash of this has diverged completely from the books. And for Wheel of Time, I'm like, yes, yes, it has. And for Witcher, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a lot more lenient. I'm like, yeah, it has, yeah, but it's with it, that's, why. that's exactly my point. <laughs> it's like, uh, for Witcher, I'm like, oh god, people are being very harsh, you know. But for Wheel of Time, I'm like, yes, yes, it is very different. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people have spoken, and they are right. <laughs> they are. No, I mean, they've done some things really, really well, and then other decisions have been strange. Have been made. They have been made. <laughs> well, we'll see. The finale, a lot hinges on a the finale. Hinges. Well, maybe the finale, finale will turn finale. the wheel of time around. Oh, God. That would be a yours. very bad thing. That would be very bad. No, the premise Dear of the wheel God, of time. That's no. a terrible idea, Darren. No. Are you the dark one? Absolutely not. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, that's my major Wait, main concerns. Oh, I'm rereading Wheel of Time okay. for yeah, my own sanity. Fourth, fourth or fifth real re- 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 Which is it? Which is it? I mean. Come on. Are we, yeah, are we yes. not including the last books which no. have been out more recently? Yeah. I, gonna, yeah. I suppose I'm on my fifth. Three. Yeah, um, fifth where, of a 14, 14 books. Where are you in the books? I'm currently, um, I only recently restarted it, so I'm at, towards the end of book four. Okay. And like, the, as far as I'm aware, the Wheel of Time books, they're one of the books where Jordan passed away before he finished it. It was finished from notes, yes. right? Is the ending yes. satisfying? Yes. yes. Okay. Oh right. God, he already so had the ending planned. He already had the ending like, planned. Robert Jordan put so much effort into it that he was the man was on his deathbed, and when he could no longer type or write, he w- had a little dictaphone that he would make notes for whoever was going to finish the book for him. Think of him as the anti George R. R. Martin. Yeah. All right. He was so determined that this was going to get the ending it deserved, and it absolutely did. It all absolutely. Right. So he did. kept all those wheels spinning. Uh, Luke. Yeah. What would you recommend for listeners? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, well, if, if listeners are jaded <laughs> by the overly corporate capitalist superhero cinematic wasteland that we live in now, how do you uh, really feel? They Luke? may be interested in safe space. But if people want to expand their experience, yes. let's put it that way. Because again, no issue with, with all that, really. But I would recommend that they check out Three Dev Adam, or Three Dev Adam, the Turkish Spider-Man, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, features Spider-Man in a different universe. You could say as a more villainous <laughs> figure, uh, as a as a mob oh, boss facing off against Cap- Captain America and the uh, world famous luchador El Santo. Uh, as far as I know, 3 Dave Adam is available to view in its entirety on YouTube. And there are no corporate masters interested in taking it down. Uh, and it's just a different experience. It's a, it's a different approach on a beloved character. And if you enjoyed this, in theory, you will enjoy that. So I say check that out. All right. And, and for myself, a couple of recommendations. I mean, if you're going to cinema to see Spider-Man No Way Home, you might want to stay and go and see some other stuff because there's a lot of really good stuff out there that isn't Spider-Man No Way Home. So like Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which I love because everybody knows Spielberg can direct a movie about a shark like nobody's business. Uh, you have like The Kingsman, which is a big, dumb, old-fashioned blockbuster, uh, which is not like it has its imperfections, but it's also really good fun. Uh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, also Reese Yes, it does have... Uh, it does it have also re- has the best stinger at the end of it. 
this year. It has, <laughs> it has like forget about like this movie that we're talking about here. The post credit stinger on the Kingsman is something that Graham told me, and I still do not believe actually exists. Guess you'll have to go see it again, won't you? I will have to go see it again, if only to see that. Um, I would also recommend for Andrew, because uh, I know Andrew's a fan of Paul Schrader's work, particularly Mishima, uh, I would recommend The Card Counter, uh, which I believe is available on streaming now, starring Oscar Isaac, uh, who I know we are both fans. Mm. There we go. Andrew's suddenly interested. Paul Schrader and Oscar Isaac and, and Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. Yep. So uh, I oh, would hardly recommend that as well. And I think I mentioned Nightmare Alley, which is out in cinemas at the moment, which I also quite enjoyed. So there's a host of great stuff. Darren, I'm also- you said Nightmare Alley wasn't out here. It's out in the States for our American listeners. Um, I will also uh, recommend The Matrix Resurrections right now. And if it's bad, I will cut this out when I edit the podcast tomorrow. So if you're hearing this, <laughs> uh, it means that The Matrix... Don't you dare! Don't you rewrite history like the MCU! <laughs> Don't you dare! So I will I will wholeheartedly endorse Matrix Resurrections. It is the best movie of the year. If you are hearing it, that is true. This this is how Obama does his best up list yeah. as well. He just, yeah. just writes a lot of movies and then gets somebody to come in and take out all the ones that people don't like. Uh, and because this is a comic book movie and I like recommending comic books, I've been reading a lot of Tom King recently. Uh, I think I recommend his Batman run before. I think it's fantastic. It's one of those stories about uh, can you be Batman and still be happy? King's one of those writers who basically turns midlife crises into his art. So he did things like uh, Vision, which is the wonderful miniseries. Uh, part of the basis for the Wonder tv show earlier this year i uh, did mr miracle at dc which is is one of my favorite comics of i think the past decade omega man which is about his kind of service overseas in iraq reimagined as a sci-fi story and most recently uh his strange adventures uh which i just finished which is amazing one of the best comic books i've ever read in years a wonderful interrogation exploration of adam strange the 50s science fiction comic book character uh through the lens of kind of like the modern day and through the anxieties of, of somebody working through their own marriage and trying to make a marriage function. Uh, I think I think it's phenomenal. I would wholeheartedly recommend those comic books as well. Really, really love those. And I guess something Spider-Man related. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, Rick Remender's run on Venom. I really enjoyed Donny Cates' run on Venom. And I guess I really enjoyed Nick Spencer's uh, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which is a, a really good comic book, really fun, really easy to read. Uh, so those are my obligatory comic book recommendations for... Uh, a section of comic books. Also, I am reading uh, Rick Veit's uh, run on Swamp Thing, which famously followed the Alan Moore run, the seminal, fantastic Alan Moore run. Veit's run is not as good, uh, but it does, you know, but it was famously the run that was cut short at DC when Time Warner realized that he was going to reveal that Swamp Thing was the cup holder at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So it's got a lot going on that's potentially interesting, kind of fun to dive into. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun going back and reading those 80s comics. So that that's it in terms of like 80s comics recommendations for me. All right. So if people are looking for a bit more Luke, a bit more Breed, a bit more Graham online, where can they find you? Breed, where are you at? What are you up to? Nowhere. Go away. That's true. You can't find I barely That's can find my you. general online presence. Uh, Luke. They'll mostly Reddit, they'll mostly Reddit these days. Too, yes, yes, she's yeah, on Reddit. A lot like, of Reddit. She's on Reddit like a fiend, like a dark Reddit friend. Form. Reddit. I'm actually. You've in read a, it twice um, over by this point. I'm in a particular sub for P- for show watchers of Wheel of Time who have a lot of confused questions, <laughs> but can't Google it because of the massive piles piles of spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So basically, the day after it airs book readers go on and answer their questions like a little help service that's kind of amazing yeah, yeah. essentially yeah really, it's really lovely amazing. it's actually really nice it's really yeah nice. it's really sweet the, it's, the, the amount of because there's a whole mystery box in the first season of who yes. is the dragon reborn and breed is just like so many people have so many theories about who the dragon reborn is w- one theory is that it's the power rangers and it's all five of them and they fuse to become the one character that's voltron that's 
Yeah, that's that's no, but also Power Rangers, uh, they have the swords. I know, I was I was repeating a joke from Far From Home. I was making a Spider-Man joke. Oh, that, uh, oh, I don't remember that joke. Find... You're making a, I don't, I don't remember that you're joke. making a reference. To a thing that people oh, remember. Oh, yeah. And Graham, first and people find I'm you. I'm something of a Spider-Man fan myself. Graham. Yeah, I'm behind you. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Graham Geek Era uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Game Air um, on Twitter as well. Because uh, I'm the social media handle behind there as well. So any kind of questions you throw at me. Uh, I'm on Twitch at Game Air as well. G- Game Air Gaming, where I'll play a cacophony of uh, of games. Horrors, usually, because they elicit the most... Um, screams. Screams. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I- I'm terrified of horrors. Uh, but people seem to enjoy watching me play them. It's the shrieking. Aww. It's the shrieking. It's the shrieking. Um, and then um, I'm on Scanon. Uh, we'll find all of my reviews, including my up and coming reviews of The Matrix uh, Resurrections, which will either be the best or worst film, <laughs> uh, as Darren stated. Uh, the Kingsman will be up soon. I imagine this week, actually. And then, um, yeah, No Way Home. Uh, sorry. No Way, yeah, no Way Home uh, is also up. If you want to read my review which will make it sound like i actually liked it more than this podcast does because i actually gave it like a three and a half out of five which is just mad to think about and we have lost battery so uh yeah that's that's my recommendations so yeah that's me bye bye (laughs) okay we we literally just lost graham um where 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 can we find you (laughs) Disney realized that they weren't getting that positive <laughs> review uh, off of Graham, and they just so cut they, him they off. Pulled his, they pulled his funding. So, Luke, if I wanted the you know, if Darren. I wanted the power of Luke in the palm of my hand, where would I find it? You can find me at filmindublin.ie. I do most of my writing up there, and you can find me far too often on twitter.com at Mister Cynical. That's cynical with an I. Andrew, one of these days, I'm going to cut the cord. Like you did. You, You're Spider-Man than me. You're so. going to leave Twitter? Uh, uh, I, I, I should. But, you know. It's, it, it's, hey, it's, I actually keep... sometimes miss it. I think when <laughs> when 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 you're not well, on Twitter, you, sometimes you, you want to see what's happening on Twitter at certain points. You, you'll come back in. You'll be like the Tobey Maguire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to wander in. He's not going to wear a costume. He's not going to do a kind of a photo. Um, but, I mean, I do, yeah. Um, I th- Twitter is interesting. It's it's very interesting. Um, You're, uh, Dara Dara underscore Mooney, Mooney at twitter.com. It's a hell of an experience. Come yell at me about things, um, which is very 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 interesting. No, but come come talk to me about movies on Twitter. It's generally quite fun. It can get a bit intense at times, but I generally take a step back and a deep breath and just. Uh, Step away for a little while when things get very intense, when I have opinions about take movies it. that disagree with the internet's consensus. Take a step back, block them, but first take like, a picture of their tweet. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Um, if listeners are want to, you know, the, the podcast, basically, uh, we're at the 250. We're on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, wherever good podcasts are available. I believe Spotify now gives you the option to rank or rate podcasts. So if you enjoyed this podcast... Uh, please feel free to give it a five star rating, maybe, uh, and help get the word out. Help people listen to it as well. Yeah. Um, listen, listen to thousands of hours of us speak. Yes, this, um, next year as well. 
like you did this year. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I mean, I am completely insane. Uh, yeah, I, I find it completely insane that people enjoy it as much as they do. It's really nice. Uh, really flattered. I'm really glad that people do enjoy this. I think Andrew saw one of the weirdest tweets, which was, I feel like your last Jedi discussion was too short. Felt like you guys were only really <laughs> getting into the meat of the movie when you had to kind of... <laughs> okay. Trying to imagine talking about it for longer. Than All right. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back on Saturday for Christmas uh, with the wonderful Renock Gregor, the fantastic Charlene Line, talking about something like it hot. Then we're going to take a week off, and we'll be back in the new year. Myself and Andrew talking about Denny Villeneuve's and Sundays from the comfort of our own bed. Thank you so much, guys. If we don't see you. <laughs> Bad, so you see, he's got a little keys for the yeah. listeners. I'll, I'll let you imagine whether or not I'm injecting bad. Andrew with good guy juice. Um, but all right, so uh, we'll, be back. <laughs> we'll be back then. If we don't see you, if you don't listen to any episodes, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, God bless everyone. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you, Breed. Thank you, Graham. Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me you got all the way through the podcast and you didn't even mention the fact that Venom's in the post credit scene? Yeah, it was, it was, look, there, it was a busy podcast. There was a lot going on. We had a lot to talk about. But Andy, what were your takes on kind of Spider-Man No Way Home? What, what did you make of the movie as a whole? Um, I thought that the Venom scene was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really? I thought the Venom scene was probably my favorite part of the movie, which oh, I feel really wow. bad about. Um, okay, well, but what about the rest of the movie? What was your kind no, no. of your big I, Spider-Man? Number? I really enjoyed it. I've been recommending it to people all day. I thought it was way of time. It was more <sighs> concise. Isn't the word I'm looking for, but it wasn't as universe-expanding, crazy nonsense, jiggery-pokery like multiverse craziness as i was expecting it's actually a very tight spider-man film and i love that all right i'm, I'm glad you enjoyed but the venom scene what did you hate about the venom scene now that we've apparently I, circled back I've, around to that i've never ever liked um tom hardy tom portrayal hardy. well I, I'm, I'm on the fence about tom hardy but his portrayal of venom i didn't like not that i've got any particular ideas of what venom should be um and what he's talking like oh um, mumbling yeah but right, right at the end he's like no aliens don't come for like green rocks stones. and uh, stones and they like and, brains and purple. they like brains like where are you getting this from <laughs> they, like they, from that, the fact that he has an alien who wears who likes brains oh, that's a total i just feel like that's a boomer thing to say like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I love the take that like Tom Hardy is the Sony Pictures Universe boomer hero. He's the Captain America of the Sony Pictures Marvel Universe. He like only a boomer would be like, oh, I I thought Aliens only invaded with a cool soundtrack on on a record player. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Andy. Um, take care. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Merry Christmas. <laughs>